See this cute little vial here? That's crack, rock cocaine, the most addictive form. You think it's the glamour drug of the 80s? Well, that's the point of this fronted little reminder. It can kill you. And if you've got to die for something, this sure as hell ain't it. In the next few months, the motion picture industry and theater owners will be bringing you a series of messages like the one you just saw. I don't think anybody will miss the point. The thrill can kill. The drug dealers need to know that we want them out of our schools, neighborhoods, and our lives. And the only way to do that is to take the customers away from the product. Say no to drugs and say yes to life. Of course, your local drug pusher may tell you a little something different about these drugs. And who you believe is up to you. But then again, if you go ahead and try them, at least it won't be out of ignorance. Just stupidity. What would I do if someone offered me these drugs? I'd tell them to take a hike. Welcome to Weird Kid Video. I'm Cameron Snape, and I miss video stores so much I opened one in my own home, packed with the VHS tapes of the trash cinema I grew up watching at a highly inappropriate age. Every week, I force my co-hosts, Kira Jade Oppitz and Brody McDonald, to sit through a movie for us to discuss. So come on in, have a look around, and sign up for a membership. This is Weird Kid Video. Understudy business. Understudy business. Tonight, the part of Brody McDonald will be played by Adam Bridges. Hello. <laughs> that's it. That's what you got. Yeah. Well, I'm an understudy man. I mean, is there studying that's meant to be done in understudy? No, not if you're Brody. You just show up. <laughs> well, perfect. I'm ready then. Excellent. Adam also works in the film and TV industry, much like us, and used to work with us. Worked on a couple jobs with Kira, but you were kind of already gone by the yeah. time I jumped in. Yeah, pretty much. He came yeah. as I left. Yeah. I think I was meant to be a babysitter for you. I think you were meant to be, <laughs> a I think you were meant to be Brody's replacement. Yeah. And yeah. then and then you also left us. And yeah. now I'm Brody's replacement. Yes. It's full circle. It's <laughs> a circle of life. Time. No more business of any kind. No. I mean, Brody's not here, so we could make some up. Okay. Yep. We can make up where Brody is. Yeah. Where is Brody? Where is Brody? Nobody knows. Uh, I'm right here. <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. Oh, this is already going badly. New business. New business. This week, we're a secret team of skilled professionals whose existence is denied by the very government that created us. We are not the Navy SEALs. We are Delta Force. <laughs> <laughs> we're talking about Delta Force 2, the Colombian Connection. The flow of cocaine coming into the United States is becoming a war. The cocaine cartel. Gentlemen, Ramon Cota, the world's wealthiest drug dealer. Their wealth is beyond belief. Their power is beyond control. Their leaders are beyond the law. I have my own way of dealing with traitors. But they haven't counted on the Delta Force. Let me go in 48 hours ago. I'll get them out. Chuck Norris cracks the Colombian connection. Delta Force 2. Now the drug war is about to become a shooting war. At 0730 hours, I hit Ramon's munitions warehouse. Now you gotta be out of there by that time. They strike fast. Red alert! 
take no prisoners. leads the Delta Force against the Colombian Connection. Delta Force 2. Weird title. Colombia does not exist in this dojo. <laughs> Wait. They weren't in Colombia? They're not in Colombia. They're in San Carlos. Oh, it, I thought that was fake, the city. Which is a fake South American country. Uh, so then why is it called? Was it supposed to be? Because people associate Colombia with cocaine. So you know that the movie is about the drug trade, but there is no mention of Colombia in this movie. Well, that's ridiculous, isn't it? And there's no desert, and so somehow on the cover they're in the desert. Yes. So the fun thing about this podcast is going to be the fact that Brody's not here, because uh, I don't know if you've listened to the last podcast yet, but I pretty much picked this one just to fuck with Brody <laughs> and to end our blood feud over Roller Boys. What, because he's going to like this or hate he this? Really, really, he really, really wanted, wanted to watch to see it. it. Oh, so Tara he- picked it out of spite. <laughs> Because Brody let Prayer of the Roller Boys starring Corey Haim fall off the list. Yeah. yeah. And I felt like gonna, I needed to end one. I felt like I needed to end the feud at the beginning of the new season. So given the opportunity to pick the movie that he very much did not want me to pick this week. So <laughs> I therefore had to do it. Therefore, therefore I would never have normally picked a Chuck Norris movie. Like I mean I'm, I thought uh, you'd be a massive Chuck Norris fan. It was fine. But <laughs> <laughs> really? You just blow on it that early? But generally speaking, I don't tend to go for the the sort of martial arty action, action cinema. cinema movies. They're the ones that Brody picks. Unless it it's got someone some martial arts in this. Yeah. Unless it's got someone in the in, in it that I really like or like um what was the Brandon Lee. Brandon Lee, yeah. And um I'm just gonna have to go find the soundboard and cut it in. Brandon Lee's great in this. Brandon Lee's fighting skills are way better than everybody else's. I love Brandon Lee movies. <laughs> I love Brandon Lee. Oh there it is. That wasn't the soundboard. <laughs> It will be by the time I'm done with it. And what's the one, the inspirational sports drama that turned best into of the best. best of the best? Yeah. That one I got, got in through through me because I, I like. Because of all the feels? I, I like an inspirational sports drama. Mm-hmm. This is not an inspirational sports drama. This it's is not. a movie I picked just to make Brody sad. Directed by Aaron Norris. You guys notice it's directed by Aaron Norris? I didn't, actually. He's the younger brother of Chuck Norris. <laughs> oh, nepotism. How totally. much younger? I don't know how much younger. He started his career as a stunt guy doubling for his brother in a movie called Good Guys Wear Black. After being a stunt guy for a while, moved into stunt coordination. He worked with John Carpenter on his Elvis TV movie, starring Kurt Russell. There's yeah. an Elvis TV movie? Directed starring by John Carpenter. Kurt Russell. Starring Kurt, it's how they met. Wait, Kurt, Kurt Russell playing Kurt Elvis? Russell played Elvis. Oh my God. In a TV movie. Elvis. The way the world saw him. Come on, Elvis, give us a break. You and uh, Natalie gonna get married? he really was. I want to be able to walk around and see things, all the mobs of people, you know, just, just be free. Just be plain little old me instead of the image. You did, don't you? Well, since my baby left me, the way you'll always remember him. Well, Kurt Russell is Elvis. You think they care what I think? 
can we watch that? It's on the list. It is so impossible to find. I'm not surprised, but can we watch that? I'm, I'm actively trying. It's in, or at in the very my least, list can you like find a clip of Kurt Russell playing, playing Elvis? Elvis? Yeah, it's probably yeah. on YouTube. Yeah, actually, you know oh, what? I haven't I searched YouTube. How bad the voices. I'm sure yeah. he's really good at it. He's so young. I'm sure that he's oh. he's good at it. Wait, when was it? What can Kurt Russell not do? He was Santa, and I fucking loved it. And I fucking hate Christmas. I love yeah, Christmas. I'll give you that. That's, <laughs> um, a, that's a level of hate that. It shows that that is an amazing performance. Yeah. So anyway, back with Aaron Norris. He also did a little bit of acting and then started producing movies. And then he made his directing debut on Braddock, Missing in Action 3, the third in a series of Chuck Norris Rambo ripoffs. Ah. How much of a ripoff? I think I've told this story on the podcast before. James Cameron wrote the screenplay for Rambo First Blood Part 2. Right. He co-wrote the screenplay. Sylvester Sloan ended up rewriting it, right? But it was a hot screenplay that was floating around Hollywood. Cannon got their hands on it before the movie went into production and wrote a knockoff for Chuck <laughs> Norris to star in and got their movie out in cinemas before Rambo Part 2 was was out. Okay, who's the guy that you guys love? The Charles Band. Charles Band. So he Charles Banded him. Uh, yeah, but Cannon is like, Cannon is Charles Band the on company. like <laughs> so much more, like so much more budget, so much more money. Uh Saying Charles Band on cocaine or cocaine in uh, Colombia. Yeah, a little bit like that. He's only directed one movie not starring his brother. Oh, really? It's Michael Dudikoff movie. Oh, okay. From Michael Dudikoff from American Ninja called Platoon Leader. Also canon. Also canon. Was it taken off Platoon? Probably. Mm. Probably a Platoon knockoff. Nice. Was Chuck Norris meant to be in it and they switched? Maybe. <laughs> Scheduling Probably. Issues. I mean, Chuck Norris was originally meant to be in American Ninja, but he didn't want to be in it because he didn't want to have his face covered up. <laughs> I forgot about that. That's a face you don't want to cover up. <laughs> Is it? So with Chuck, he made The Hitman, Sidekicks, Hellbound, Top Dog. Yes, that is Chuck Norris and a dog. Forest Warrior. dog talk? No. Forest Warrior. Forest Warrior and some episodes and a TV movie of Walker, Texas Ranger. It's his entire career is I, working with his brother and Michael Dudikoff that one time. <laughs> I totally forgot about Walker, Texas Ranger when watching this. Oh, okay. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I forgot it even existed. Yeah. Written by Lee Reynolds. He only has four film credits and I could find very little information about him there on this. Seems the to be a lot of that in this. In canon films, yeah. List. He wrote. Alan Quatermain and Lost City of Gold, the okay. Indiana Jones knockoff that Cannon made. <laughs> oh, <fantastic. laughs> this movie, he wrote a movie called Storyville, directed by Mark Frost, who is the co-creator of Twin Peaks, Drink. Interesting. <laughs> and he wrote a Jackie Chan movie in the 90s called Who Am I? That's his only four credits as a writer. Okay. So, That's and an I don't interesting know what collection happened, of... It's, it's kind of... Yeah, it's cool. He's really swinging for the for the fences there, you know. It's I'd be really happy with that if that was my career. It's and it's not all in the same genre. Sort of like they're, they're a little bit different to each other. Working yeah. with some good people. Yeah, mainly Jackie Chan. Mm -hmm. The movie is based on characters created by James Bruner and Menachem Golan, co-owner of Canon Films and director of the first movie, The Delta Force. <laughs> Wait, it was they took the, the, they they took the lay off because it's cleaner. Good I don't know. <laughs> Kira liked that. I had to get that one out because I know Kira was going to do it. Yeah. Kira loves the social network. I don't love Facebook. I love the movie, the social network. Starring Chuck Norris as Colonel Scott McCoy. It's Chuck Norris. We finally did a Chuck <laughs> Norris movie. Norris, before becoming a meme, was a member of the uh, Air Force stationed in South Korea where he learnt Tang Soo Do. It's a Korean variation of karate. Interesting. Yep. Oh. When he returned to the United States after his time in the service, he wanted to be a cop, but he had to go on a wait list to join the force. And so he opened a dojo in the meantime to 
make a living. He what? then went on to win the All American Karate Championship in 1967. <laughs> <laughs> yes, the All Valley <laughs> in 1967, which was a title he would hold for the next six years. Okay. Within right. martial, that, that's unusual, right? That's unusual. Yeah. Within martial arts, that made him kind of a superstar. He opened a chain of dojo. What were these dojos called, by the way? Cobra Kai. Uh, Cobra Kai, yeah. <laughs> he also met and became friends with Bruce Lee during this period of time because Bruce Lee was making the rounds in the karate and martial arts exhibition circuit trying to sell people on Jeet Kondo and was also, at that point, Kato on the TV show The Green Hornet. In 1969, Chuck Norris was Black Belt Magazine's Fighter of the Year and made his film debut in a Dean Martin movie called The Wrecking Crew. The not, Wrecking Crew. Not familiar? No. no. That movie is featured in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, the Tarantino movie, because it starred Sharon Tate. Ah. Right. Who is obviously plays a role in that movie. Oh, uh, yeah. All, right. the, all the connections. Oh, so many connections. Yeah. Welcome to Connection City. That's what I do. In 1972, he played the bad guy in Way of the Dragon, the Bruce Lee movie. He fights Bruce Lee in the ruins of the Colosseum in Rome. Okay. And as a child, that was like amazing. Were they like jumping on top of the... the no, no, no. It's just in a hallway. Oh. And also it's not really the Coliseum and there's just a painted backdrop in the in the background that looks like the Coliseum. Cheap I think bastards. they did do some shooting in the Coliseum, but not, but not all of it. One of his students was an actor, Steve McQueen, who encouraged him to take acting classes and he would continue to have smaller parts in, in movies until he had his breakout lead role in Good Guys Wear Black. So how old was he at that point? He's already like in his, he's already older. He's already in his like 30s. 30s yeah, he'd or 40s. have to be because he's done. 30, he had been he his, did a lot of things. 30s. That's mm. a lot of. I don't know how old he was. You have to be 18 to be in the, uh, to do the armed forces part. So yeah. then everything else happened after But then that. if he was in for like three years and then, so maybe he was a champion during what, his 20s, 20s yeah. or late 20s and then 30s yeah, movies. So 30s. So 30s, I would, assume, I would assume. So how, what's his earliest movie? The Wrecking Crew is Wrecking his first, Crew. Is his I first how movie. how young he looks compared to this. I don't, I've never seen that movie. So I have no idea. Because he always looks like mid 40s. Could, he have, looks been, exactly could have been a dad. The, he always looks exactly the same. Yeah. yeah. Like even now. Yeah. I guess maybe he looked old for his age when he was younger and then Young for his age, now he looks uh, older. Yeah, then didn't yeah. like age after that. I, <laughs> I think at one point he was just Benjamin Button. Good Guys Wear Black basically made him a star and then he was kind of on his way. So other Chuck Norris movies, Force of One, The Octagon, An Eye for an Eye, I remember that one really well. Silent Rage, Lone Wolf McQuaid, they're all through the 1970s. In the 80s, he would team up with Canon Films, our beloved Canon Films, and sign a multi-picture, multi-year deal starring in two trilogies, the Missing in Action movies, Rambo knockoffs, and the Delta Force movies, although he is only in the first two of those movies. There is a third movie. He's not in it. He made an Indiana Jones knockoff <laughs> called Firewalker with Lewis Gossett Jr. from Iron Eagle. Right, okay. Which Indiana Jones? Like Temple of Doom? Just the style. Okay. Just I thought like, both Firewalker, it was just a whole a, Temple of Doom feel. It's mm. just an adventure movie in the style of Indiana Jones. And Canon did that not once, they did it twice. <laughs> They did Alan Quatermain, which is based on like real like novel material, pop novel material from yeah. the 1800s. And yeah, Firewalker. He's also in Invasion USA, which is a wild movie and is on the list. Invasion it, USA. It's a wild movie. Who do you think is invading? Who do you think that Chuck Norris is fighting on American soil? Well, it's got to be, I don't know, some nameless Asian. Or Russia? Russia. Yeah, it's oh, the communists. Yes. Soviets. Oh, wait, when was this? It's the 80s. Yeah. He was a massive moneymaker on Bear Hedges. Yeah, right? His movies sense. did go into cinemas, but they didn't make their money in cinemas. They made their money in 
home video. After the fall of Canon, he landed on his feet with Walker, Texas Ranger, which ran eight seasons and over 200 episodes and TV movies. Is that when he became a meme? No. He didn't become a meme. I don't think memes existed until the 2000s. That's the the 90s. I feel like the Chuck Norris jokes existed before Mm. meme memes. In 2005, Ian Spector created Chuck Norris Facts, making him relevant again, at least on the internet. Right. And it's that's really where crazy that, that's how you where can, that all came from. It's crazy how you can track where the meme comes from now. Yeah. He's still working, mostly just in small parts, like in The Expendables 2, which he insisted be PG-13 and have all the swearing taken out because it would upset his delicate sensibilities. That surprises me that he would oh, no. care about that. He, that he has sensibilities. No, no. Chuck Norris doesn't swear in his movies. Chuck Norris keeps it clean for the kids. I don't want to get into his politics, but he endorsed Ted Cruz. But he blows people up. That's fine. It's for America. Okay. <laughs> the it's for the red, white, and blue. Like, I don't. Okay. How many flags on his house do you think he has? He he just it's made 12. of flags. Made of flags. It's made of flags. Mm-hmm. I would actually enjoy seeing a Chuck Norris president. You know, wartime president. No, because then we we're just a idiocracy. <laughs> the, <laughs> <laughs> the Mike Judge movie. Like, we're just there at that point. Mm. Well, I thought we were already there. I mean, we are. Ladies and gentlemen, the President of America! Sit your monkey ass down. Chill out. I know she's bad right now with all that starving bullshit. And the dust storms, and we running out of french fries and burrito coverings. Yeah. But I got a solution. Other casts I will talk about as they appear. We have a lot of ground to cover today, so I'm just going to talk about them within the context of the movie. Trailers. Seven trailers. Seven. Seven? I feel like I started to zone out. Flatliners. I don't want to die. I want to come back with the answers to death and life. I need you to bring me back. I have no interest in watching you kill yourself. Why are you doing this? To see if there's anything out there beyond death. It is reckless, immoral, and unethical. Today's a good day to die. I'm going next. Nobody is going next. It's too dangerous. We can't turn back now. I'm going further. We've experienced death. Now, somehow, we brought our sins back physically. You withheld information that's the same as lying. You wouldn't have done it. At least we would have had a choice. I did not come to medical school to murder my classmates, no matter how deranged they might be. We're running out of time. Starting CPR. One one thousand. Two one thousand. You're not real. Got her. Don't have her. I said I paid my dues. Flatline. Flatliners. Some lines shouldn't be crossed. I really want to see this. A movie we recently struck off the list. Wait, you guys had this on the list? It was on the list. So it was because you because you don't know. It was it was on the list from last year. Yeah, from Christmas. And so Mm -hmm. it's been on the list for the past two weeks, and it got struck out. You guys suck. Yeah. Who's making decisions around here? I mean... I want to talk to someone responsible. Uh, Kira and Brody. I'm pretty sure Brody was the one that got it called off. But yeah. yeah, watching the trailer made me want to watch it more as well. well. Like I knew that I wouldn't wanted to see that movie and I'm pretty sure I have actually seen it before. A long time ago, yeah. But um, yeah, the trailer did make it like 
Oh yeah, that, I think that we would have had a good time with that movie. I've, I've only seen the well, I I would say remake, but what is it? It's actually a sequel. I did not get that at all when watching it. It's a it. well, it's it's like halfway between. It's what the kids would call a reboot call. A, a oh, what? God. A reboot call, meaning it's half reboot, half sequel. Oh, there's got to be a better name for that. It's uh, it's what the kids call it. I can't stop the kids. <laughs> I've tried. <laughs> the internet has them now. Do you guys know something strange about the trailer? No. What? It was the 16-9 trailer squashed to 4-3. So everybody oh, was I, did, I did think that Kiefer Sutherland was taking up way too much of the screen. Yeah, everybody was like really skinny and tall. Ah. Uh, so it was stre- it was squashed, not stretched. So, right. Yeah. Okay. Didn't they know how to pan and scan? It's, so it must be the cinema version of the trailer. And then they've put it on the VHS tape and then just squished it. Yeah, that seems like a bad choice. Strange. Triumph of the Spirit. Arnold Copelson, the Academy Award-winning producer of Platoon. Brings to the screen Triumph of the Spirit. It's tomorrow morning. We're leaving. Six o'clock sharp. One suitcase apiece is all you're allowed. Don't cry. As long as we're together, it's not the end of the world. Mama brought her best silver. Papa took the family photo album. Everything will be all right. They promised us a new life in Poland. Oh, wow. This looked... I don't want to say bad because it's a it's an Oscar picture. <laughs> well, it's an award picture. We'll talk about they that. They made it very clear that it was an Oscar picture. Oh, wow. That's probably the most like triumphantly talking about how it's an Oscar picture trailer we've seen. Yeah. It's also a strange title for a horrific movie. So I think it's a like play on time. So I think it's a play on Triumph of the Will, which is the Nazi propaganda movie. So it's Triumph of the Spirit. Don't call back to Nazi propaganda. Well, it's just not supposed so to be done. It's Willem Dafoe in a true story of a boxer that was sent to Auschwitz during World War II where he boxes to entertain the Nazis and also survive. So it's a true story. It's a true I story. That. Uh, also got Edward James Olmos in it. Yeah, I saw him. From Blade Runner a bit, and also Battlestar Galactica. Somehow he still hasn't aged. He looks exactly the same. The oh, trailer mentions that it being in the Oscar race it was not nominated for a single Oscar. Are you serious? Yes. It made it so clear that it was, it's, it's like one of the top 10 so movies hard, of the year. Trying so hard. It's a prestige it's picture. It's stunning. It did not. <laughs> get Is it because it's really bad? I don't know. I've never seen it. I've never heard of, even heard of this movie. I'm just assuming because it just looked so. It looked very um, cloying. Mm. Yeah. Yeah. They were really trying. To really have... trying hard to earn that emotion, mm-hmm. which, eh, whatever. Maybe they just didn't quite actually get there yep. in the movie. Denzel Washington, Morgan Freeman, and Matthew Broderick in the Civil War drama Glory. I ran away when I was 12 years old. I ain't never looked back. Ooh, what you doing since then? I run for president. I ain't win, though. <laughs> you men enlisted in this regiment the understanding that you would be paid $13 a month. I have been notified that since you are a colored regiment, you will be paid $10 a month. I mean, a colored soldier stop a bullet just as good as a white, and for less money, too. If you men will take no pay, then none of us will. Why push them so hard? Marching is probably... I would watch this. It was nominated for five Oscars. <laughs> wait, wait, is this, is this the same year? Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> Glory was a big movie. I remember when Glory when Glory came out. Glory is like one of Denzel's like breakout roles. Wait, wait. Were there two Matthew Broderick trailers? There were two Matthew Broderick trailers. I might be thinking of the other one. No, uh, we'll get to the other one. The other one's, oh, Jesus Christ. <laughs> so uh, also this movie has um, Carrie Elwes from The Princess Bride in it. Oh, okay. I did not spot her. Him? Him. Sorry. <laughs> Fuck. As you wish. Ah! Uh- 
have I done? Cut that. No, I've it in. I've never seen it. It's mm. a pre- another prestige picture. Never got around to it. I'd like to retract my, I would watch this statement and push it forward. A oh, few more I see where, I see what was happening. Kevin Klein. Husband of Phoebe Cates from Fast Times at Richmond High. Okay. Tracy Ullman of the Tracy Ullman show where The Simpsons debuted as shorts in I Love You to Death. Meet Joey Boca. Is the pizza man. I'm pizza man. A man with an appetite for life. He's a good man. Bless me, father, for I've sinned. With a good wife. I cheated on my wife. A good family. Many times. And good friends. Well, let's say a dozen times in the last two weeks. Give uh, or take a few times. But all that goodness is about to go bad. Say we go to your place. If that's your wife. No, she can't come. Because Rosalie Boca is a scorned woman. Divorcing, no, never. Rather seem dead first. Good. He deserves to die. And Joey Boca's days are numbered. Why didn't you tell me you were going to blow up the car? Well, I thought it would be a nice surprise for you. But Rosalie isn't taking any chances. Did you shoot him or not? I think so. How you feeling, Joey? And has enlisted the help of her mother, her closest friend, and two complete strangers. You hired drug addicts? Who did you expect me to hire? The Red Cross? They seem like very polite boys. To make sure the job's done right. He's got a bullet in him. Duh. Oh. Really? I wonder if he had But with people like this trying to kill Joey. Please bring Joey back. Rosalie. <gasps> he might just live forever. Kevin Klein, Tracy Ullman, Joan Plowright, River Phoenix, William Hurt, and Keanu Reeves star in I Love You to Death with performances Gene Siskel called spectacular. Yes, yes! Rex Reed of At the Movies hailed it a hilarious black comedy with a perfect cast. Oh, yeah, you think? Thanks. And Siskel and Ebert give it two thumbs up. I Love You to Death. Also starring River Phoenix and Keanu Reeves. <laughs> yeah, I called Sorry. that. Keanu. Keanu Reeves. So, is, that, is that what they say? Uh, that's yeah. what they say is his name is in the trailer. I was going to ask whether that's someone that's not Keanu Reeves. No, that's Keanu Reeves in that movie. <laughs> is this before he had an agent to advocate for him? I guess so. So well, this must so be. So this is like 1989 or 1990. This movie came out in 1990. So this tape comes out like right around the time of Bill and Ted. So hadn't he been in stuff before Bill and Ted? He had a small roles. Bill and Ted is his breakout role. I thought he, he had small roles in like Parenthood, a movie called Youngblood. I thought he would have been in enough stuff that people would know how to pronounce his name. River's Edge. No, I guess not. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Most Keanu people Reeves. don't know how to say yeah. Keanu's name. <laughs> yeah, I know. It's yeah. my whole life. Pronouncing and spelling. But he's not a, you know, superstar yet. Hey, um, you're a superstar in here. This movie looked fun. Yeah, I actually, my first comment was no thanks, and then I changed my mind. <laughs> yeah, I, you got one over by the trailer. <laughs> I did get one over yeah, by the it trailer. Looks, it looks kind of fun. Because the first half of the trailer is just a sleazy, douchey guy mm. that I it was like, eh, this, Wait, it, who was the douchey guy? The guy that they try to kill. Oh, yeah. 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 When they introduce well, That's Kevin Klein. Yeah. I loved him in uh, Fish Called Wonder. Uh, yeah, Kevin Klein's great. Mm-hmm. I couldn't believe. So I've mentioned Kevin Klein before on the podcast, and they yeah. didn't know who the fuck Kevin Klein was. I, and I was really only like, know him in a Fish Called Wonder. Oh, he's <laughs> so good. He's good in so many things. I do like the idea of women trying to murder Kevin Klein. Yeah, Kevin Klein. is he that in every movie? No, he's no. oh no no, and also he's not an Italian background. 
Oh, that's him doing Italian face. Italian face. Meatball face. Spaghetti bolognese face. Pasta face. No, no. Pasta face. We've taken a turn. Yeah, we went into a dark place. Daniel Day Lewis in his greatest performance, according to the trailer, My Left Foot. He astounded audiences in my beautiful laundrette. Room with a view. And the unbearable likeness of being. Now, Daniel Day-Lewis gives the greatest performance of his career. In a film about life. Laughter. And the occasional miracle. My Left Foot. Is it his greatest performance? Oh, he, at he's that good point, in- yes. Was he a method actor then? Yes. Oh, yes. This is a movie that was a massive deal when it came out, and I think he won the Oscar. I think he won for this performance. Yeah, but the, the style of wasn't the, very the, good. The style of the trailer was an interesting choice. I wasn't yeah. even sure if it was a trailer at first because it was just this montage of stills. Yeah. So Daniel Day Lewis plays a man with cerebral palsy that can only control his left foot. It is based on a true story. It's a big prestige picture. A lot of prestige pictures in front of Delta Force 2, the yeah. Colombian connection. <laughs> it's, it's a bit of an odd choice, isn't it? Are they trying to say that they're in the Oscar race? I think so. There, or, is, a perfor- the there Razzies, is a performance maybe? in this movie that the- I would have nominated for an Oscar. Uh, all right, we're going to have to... That, that's the name of the game today. Set yeah, up, figure out, figure who, out that who that is. is. It'll become clear. Set up, payoff. Matthew Broderick again in The Freshman. Go to the toilet. It opens electronically from the inside. Before today, Clark Kellogg had never been anywhere but Vermont. It took him only 19 minutes in New York to lose everything he owned. But his luck is about to change. I want my money and my stuff. What if I got your job? An unbelievable opportunity. Clark Kellogg is about to get an offer. God almighty. This is my uncle. Carmine Sabatini. You know, your resemblance to the cannabis scene. He can't possibly refuse. I want you to take this totally legitimate work for $1,000 a week. Oh, I don't see how I can say no. I want to hear yes. Yes. First, he met the boss's daughter. My father thinks that Clark is an A student. Yes, he's a very fine. An A student, that's what my father said. Yes, okay. absolutely A. Okay. Then they put him to work. What is it that I'm picking up at the airport? It's not going to be... Like a dead guy in a box or something, is it? Here it is. I'm gonna puke my guts out. All right. Seatbelt. Get this under his armpit. What armpit? It's about these animals. They're endangered. And they're more. They're injured. It'll fine. Now Clark has a new name. Rodolfo Lasparri. I want to go to Palermo, Sicily. Have you ever been there? No, of course not. And you really can't make an informed judgment, can you, Rodolfo? And a new family. Oh, God bless you, kid. He can't disappoint. That's how I know you're gonna be loyal to me, like a real son. Oh, I don't know. You don't want to marry me? I don't want to marry anybody. I'd like to be let out. Are you trying to hurt my feelings? Marlon Brando. It ain't Tony Bella. <laughs> Matthew Broderick. What is the deal, please? The freshman. Also starring Marlon Brando as not Don Corleone. <laughs> I would definitely watch this. I've seen this movie. Is it good? No. Perfect. <laughs> it's funny. It's bad. It's entertaining. It's a Godfather parody that has the Godfather in it. I have a little bit of a love affair with Matthew Broderick. This is where I become uh, become Brody and just be really awkward with you know the the starring men. Continue. 
You need uh, to no, get way filthier. I, I, no, I need to get way filthier. <laughs> no. no, but you can't do that to Matthew. You need to objectify You can't be him, that filthy to Matthew. He's so lovable. Yeah. Also got Frank Whaley in it and uh, Penelope Ann Miller. So yeah. did it know it was a parody? Yeah, yeah, yeah. It's, it's, a, an it's intentional a broad comedy. It's a very broad comedy. Wait, did you take that trailer totally straight? No, it's just that when he said it was a parody of The Godfather, I was just checking that like they knew that it was a parody of The Godfather because sometimes they don't know. We, we often encounter movies that don't know. An Aussie classic, human ashtray Ben Mendelsohn and Claudia Carvin in The Big Steel. On Monday, Danny Clark turned 18. Birthday. On Tuesday, his inheritance arrived. Happy birthday, son. That's awesome. On Wednesday, he fell in love. Uh, why would I want to go out with him? On Thursday, he was an emotional wreck. <laughs> but on Friday, Danny had an idea. Well, I'll pick up my new car. Huh? I'm not really into cars. Well, it's a Jaguar. I told her I got a Jaguar. Well, he was in the heat of the moment. But I still got out with you. Desperate times take desperate measures. They're not buying a car, they're buying a piece of motor industry. Now, with the car of his dreams and a date with Joanna. And don't you try touching her breasts. What could possibly go wrong? <laughs> Apart from everything. I think our Daniel is a very fine young man. He should be locked up. Low in here, sir. Wrong him. Jordan! From the makers of Malcolm, the big steel. Daddy's gonna kill you. Yeah, I know. I... Joanna and the Jaguar. <laughs> It'll steal your heart away. The big steel. Is it an Aussie classic because we haven't made a lot of movies or is it an actual Aussie classic? It was a big hit. It's a big oh, okay. Australian movie. It was a movie that made a lot of money at the Australian box office. Interesting. Like there's a lot of money in the Australian box office, not that much money. It was like bet. number. It was number one. Uh, oh. It's in the nineties, so I guess it's probably it's probably a decent amount of money, right? And human ashtray, Ben Mendelsohn. <laughs> yeah, he's a human oh, ashtray. Oh yeah, mm. he plays an ashtray better than anyone I've ever met. <laughs> Have you seen that movie? Oh, it's the Ryan Gosling movie, Among the Pines, or oh, in, in, the, um, in the Pines. Yeah, yeah, he's incredible he's... in that movie, and well, he is—he is literally playing an ashtray. He played the same character as in uh, in Killing or, or... Them Softly. Oh, he was he killing them softly? Yeah, he's in that. He also plays an ashtray in that movie. No, I was thinking uh, Animal Kingdom. In which he's also an ashtray. Mm. He's a human ashtray. I don't say that as an insult. I love Ben Mendelsohn. When he shows up in stuff, I'm like, ah, oh, great, fantastic. This is going to be a good time. He's mm. going to do that thing he does with his voice, and I'm going to really enjoy it. So have you seen this movie? Never seen it. <laughs> you just said it was a big deal. I know. I remember when it came it. out. I didn't see it. I'm sorry. I'm a bad man. Where the heart is. Stuart McBain could control anyone in his life, except his kids. That's my daughter. That's so when he decided to move those kids... We're crossing Brooklyn Bridge. Leaving Manhattan? Mm. Into that house. Do you love it? That house is a ruin. I'm giving it to you kids. I don't think we're really ready to live on our own yet. Stuart McBain thought his problems were finally over. I think we've been outmaneuvered here. But theirs had only begun. We're broke. Desperate. We're hopeless. Yeah. Now three formerly rich kids must take on new responsibilities. Each of us has got to find a friend and talk him into boarding with us. Isn't that slum? Sorry, I 
of something. They're bad parents. I can't think of anything. Can you believe that boy dropped out of Harvard? They must take on new jobs. I guess I'll have to prostitute myself. Let's keep that as a last resort. My art, not my body. It's a risque for an insurance company calendar, isn't it? It's absolutely brilliant. But just when they were ready to take on the world... Who stopped the music? Something unexpected happened. A market has crashed. Had to take in their father. Ah! Me. I'm head of the family. Everything's broken down. You have been evicted. Let me in. This is America. Don't we have rights? Not without money, adult. I'm telling you, capitalism's going in the toilet. Daphne Coleman, Uma Thurman, Joanna Cassidy, Crispin Glover, Susie Amos, and Christopher Plummer in a new comedy by John Borman. A story of a family coming apart. What about Dad? I lost my home. We gotta find him. Look at him sleeping in a box like this. coming together. I kicked them out. They took me in. A family coming home. I, I can't believe they haven't repossessed the porch. Where the heart is. I wanted to know whether they would have really demolitioned those buildings or whether that would have been stock footage or whether that would have been a model or... They probably... It was probably a neighbourhood where things were already being knocked down and the production took advantage of that. Right. So it would be a real building. This looked like three different movies all jammed together. A little bit. It was like a Wall Street movie and then it became a teen movie and then it became a family drama all within the same trailer. It's yeah. Like they, it's like they pitched like a, a family sitcom at Wall, uh, at Wall Street. I know. Went, Hell of a cast, How can though. we do this? Uh, Dabney Coleman, who we will see again at least Kira and I will, in a movie called Cloak and Dagger. Crispin Glover from Back to the Future. Baby Uma Thurman. She looks so much like her daughter. She looks so much like Maya Hawke in that trailer. Mm. It's wild. Susie Amos? She's in Titanic and is James Cameron's- she in Titanic? She's the granddaughter of the old lady. Oh. She is James Cameron's current wife, the one he left Linda Hamilton for after he left Gail Ann Hurd for. To be with Linda Hamilton. So did they get together? During the making of the movie. Okay, so they've been together since then. Yes. And There's a bit of a gap there, isn't there? Yes, there's an age gap. This yeah. James Cameron's James Cameron's fourth wife. Is there a fifth? So far. No. Okay, so, so, far. He's, so he's still with her. Yeah. But and he's, he's been got, with her since he's Titanic. He's got time. He can marry someone from the Avatar cast. But he's been with her since, since Titanic, so that's that's. that's he's only stretch. made two movies since then. That's got to be. He's only made two movies since Titanic. He made Titanic and then he made Avatar. He really likes shooting. And then he made Avatar 2. I forgot that he hadn't done anything. That's surprising. He did documentary in between. He also. Him and his his brother pandered a type of submersible. Yeah, he went off and did his own thing. Yeah, yeah, like, yeah. Did you know that Sega video games are available to rent at your video store? Did you know that Sega video games are available for rental from your local video store? Did you know that Sega Master Systems are also available for rental? Did you know that Sega leads the world in the development of new and exciting video games? Did you know that Sega games feature the sharp, clear video images, vibrant colors, and realistic sound you've been craving? Did you know that Sega games have challenges for players from beginners through to masters? Did you know? 
that Sega has a range of titles including the well-known hits Afterburner and Double Dragon. Did he know that fantasy space games, fast action games and realistic sports simulations are all in the rapidly expanding Sega range? Did he know that each month up to 10 hot new Sega releases will be available for rental? Sega. All kinds of games. All kinds of fun. Sega. Let the games begin. Sega video games. Also, oh, sorry, Sega. Also, yeah, no. Sega. Also, Sega, not Sega. I have to put the Australian this content in warning the- underneath this. <laughs> Was this made in Adelaide or something? So, yeah. Uh, I don't know. We got an ad for, for Sega. Sega video games. I do remember renting Nintendo 64 games a lot. I remember renting consoles. I used to rent consoles. I would rent a PlayStation for two weeks from the Blockbuster in which I worked at. Was it expensive? I didn't know you could do that. No, of course. It was, it was, yeah, it wasn't too bad. Well, I guess they got to get people to rent the games as well. You had to put down a had to put down like a crazy deposit. You had to put down like a two hundred dollar, three hundred dollar deposit. For That's it. a lot of money. I mean, that then. makes sense because otherwise you just I didn't because I, work, I didn't because I work there. But I would, <laughs> I would I would I would hire a console. I was always Nintendo, right? Mm. So I would hire, go and hire a Sega Master Drive and a bunch of games for like a week and then play that until my eyes bled and then take it back so that I could just play Sonic or whatever or yeah. Alex Kit or games uh, that I'd never childhood had. Childhood in the 90s. Yeah. Without having to actually own the device. That makes sense. Okay, so I'm going to make Adam recap the premise of Delta hey. Force 2. The uh, recap the premise. Um, all right, all right, all right. There's a movie about that. Give me a second. <laughs> it's the pressure. Right. I, I, ha- I had something. I had you know something. that I cut Brody to make him sound better at this than he actually is. <laughs> how, much does, how, how, many, how many goes does he get at it? He gets one go, gets but one. usually I have to cut out all the arms and the pauses. Yeah, he pauses between every word sometimes. You do it so well. I don't know. You're going to make me sound fantastic. Uh, this movie is about justifying a war on drugs. <laughs> you know what? That might be the best recap I've ever had. <laughs> I've done some good ones. Yeah, sure. Is this Reagan? Is this Reagan's America? Fuck yeah, it is. Oh yeah, you can well, tell. It's it's always Reagan's America. It's, it's, towards, isn't it? it's, it's towards the end. Wait, of wait, wait. We're we're, we're right. We're in the transition 90. between Reagan and Bush. Bush one. Bush the first. You kind of get that Bush feel the throughout the whole thing, don't yeah. you? You know, it's hard work keeping in shape, but it's important to me to be the best that I can be and look the best that I can look. I don't go through all this to impress other people. I do it because I care about me. I care about my body and my health. But most importantly, I care about feeling good about myself. That's why I would never, ever take illegal drugs. You know, I've seen some people who smoke marijuana, and they seem to lose pride in their appearance. They lose their motivation to achieve. And let's face it, what goes in your body eventually shows up on the outside. The bottom line is stay away from drugs, but do it because you care about yourself. The blockbuster entertainment guide to movies and videos from the year 1998, the entry for Delta Force 2, Operation Stranglehold. Huh? It has alternate titles. Okay. Yep. Well, that's better than a country that doesn't get actually mentioned and in the movie. Oh, wait. Just as confusing. Chuck Norris and his special unit are out to oust an evil Colombian drug lord. <laughs> Still there, Columbia. <laughs> Sequel to the barely superior original can't compensate for the loss of Lee Marvin, no matter how many rounds of anime are fired. Two and a half stars. But they didn't like it. They did not like it. Yeah, so the original movie, Chuck Norris is paired with action icon Lee Marvin. Well, right. not action icon, like 
60s and 70s Give film me a icon. Give me a refresher on Lee. Lots of like tough guy movies from the 60s and 70s. By mm-hmm. the time that he's in uh, the original Delta Force, he's an old man that should not be in the armed services and he's running around ruins with an Uzi and you're like, mate, just sit down. <laughs> have a rest here. Have a, have a, Chuck will take over. Have a rest. Chuck will take over. Chuck got it for you. But that was often what Cannon did. Cannon would find older stars, throw a boatload of money at them so they could be in their picture. I mean, look at how many fucking Death Wish movies Charlie Bronson made long after he should have, you know, had a nice lie down. I wish I was dead. Hey. Janet Maslin of the New York Times. Did not. Will be played by Stephen Holden of the New York ah. Times in August of 1990. And he wrote... Early in Chuck Norris's new film, Delta Force 2, the star, who portrays an army colonel named Scott McCoy, casually beats up some skinhead bullies who are menacing the owner of a Chinese restaurant. When congratulated on winning the fight, he remarks, I didn't fight, I gave a motivational seminar. The reply isn't quite as silly as it sounds. Out of all the invincible heroes who fight their way through American action movies, Mr. Norris sweats and growls the least. Even in the direst of circumstances, he succeeds most of the time in maintaining the composure of a next-door suburban neighbor setting up a backyard barbecue. <laughs> Much later in the film, which was written by Lee Reynolds and directed by the star's brother, Aaron, he rescues some commandos, uh, some comrades who have been imprisoned by a South American drug lord, breaking their cell. He announces, hi guys. I was just in the neighborhood. Movies like Delta Force 2 stand or fall in the kinetic excitement of their action sequences. And while this one doesn't have any unusually gripping moments, it is swiftly paced with good pyrotechnics, monetarily exciting final chase involving a missile armed helicopter chasing a bulletproof car down a winding mountain road and into the jungle. The movie's point of view towards the United States international drug enforcement policy is positively warmongering. The secret force that lands in San Carlos is led by a bellicose general who could almost be a character out of Dr. Strangelove. In this movie, however, he is not a buffoon, but a hero. Okay. That, that was uh, on point, really. Pretty accurate. Yeah. Yeah. Pretty good. I do like their take of Chuck Norris in this. I, I have some thoughts about I can Chuck just, Norris. I can just see, you know, Chuck Norris's head above the uh, above the fence, you know. <laughs> yep. As, as Wilson. Yeah. <laughs> Over the fence. Yeah, it's a callback for t- to Tim Allen. He, yeah. need, he needs some callbacks. He needs some love. Well, Tim Allen with his storied uh, history of being a cocaine dealer that knocks on his friends. Absolutely. <laughs> Connection. Can I just make it clear? Fuck Tim Allen. Box office. But he makes a great Santa. Okay, cool. <laughs> the top three movies the weekend the Delta Force opened in 1990, Sam Raimi's Darkman. Oh. A movie that we have struck out off the yeah. list. It was in its first week. Ghost. Oh. Ghost. The Patrick Swayze and Demi Moore movie oh. in its seventh week. Yeah, it would have. It did well, didn't it? Yep. The only, the only scene I know. Is the pottery, is the pottery scene? scene. Yeah. I don't think I've seen it. And Flatliners <laughs> in its third week. You're just intentionally trying to like rub yeah, it in that we should have picked. That's what I'm here to do. <laughs> Fuck you, Guilt. Buddy. Guilt and facts. Well, when it comes back, I'll pick it. Delta Force opened at number 11. Ooh. <laughs> where it would. I mean, it's a canon film. I'm not that surprised. Where it would stay for five weeks, never rising any higher. But Wait, staying is that, where is it that is, out is of 11 okay. movies? <laughs> well, no, out of like, uh, uh, usually it's a top 20, right? Obviously you want to go higher on the list than 11, okay. but if you're not going to go higher on the list than 11, staying at 11 is probably not bad. Yeah. Consistency is key. Just and this cause, just because it's fascinating to me. In those five weeks that Delta Force was at number 11, Ghost stayed at number three. The whole Did time. not drop from number three. It would take in another 11 weeks before it fell out of the top 10. Just to give you an idea of how movies used to work. Wow. Movies That's don't crazy. even stay at the movies for that long no. now, do they? No, unless, I mean the, they're the, unless, unless they're Unless they're Top, Top Gun, Gun Maverick, which was still screening like six, seven months later. I think yeah. it's still screening. Uh, it could be somewhere. I think Avatar might do the same. Yeah. My backstory with the Delta Force 
2 or Delta Force 2, the Colombian connection, aka cleaner without Delta Force that. 2 strangle, Operation Stranglehold. I still prefer that title. I was a Chuck Norris guy. Not surprising. Yeah, I grew up in the right place. He was up there with like Bruce Lee, Jean-Claude Van Damme, Dudikoff as the martial arts action guys that I was into and I saw all of their movies. I knew who he was from a very, very young age. I knew who his brother was from a young age. I was like, there must be a connection between those two people. I don't know how I found out they were brothers because the internet didn't exist, but I feel like I probably knew. I loved Good Guys Way Black. My dad owned that on VHS and I would borrow it from him and watch it over and over and over again but I have not seen it since I was in the single digits. So I have almost no memory of it now as a, as a <laughs> So you have no idea if it, if it lives up to... Let me just preempt you there. Yeah. It's on the list? No. <gasps> Shouldn't it be? I don't know, maybe. We watched every Chuck Norris movie until Sidekicks. Then. And we have seen the trailer for Sidekicks. It's the Karate Kid knockoff oh, with, yeah. with Jonathan Brandis because that movie broke my fucking heart. Aww. Yeah. Because so that, as I've, I think I talked about it on the podcast, I think that might have been the first time I was ever disappointed by a movie. Oh. <laughs> like, you, like, it was the first time I ever saw a movie and it was bad. Oh. <laughs> Is that when you realized there were knockoffs? You know? Maybe. And yes, we are watching the second movie. Because you didn't like the first one. Well, one, because this movie is pretty standalone. The only returning character is Chuck Norris. Mm. He's playing the same character, but it's really just the next adventure. You don't need to have seen the first one. Wait, they, are you saying the general doesn't come back? No. And he's not in the first one? No. It's Lee Marvin in the first one. He's my favorite. All right. They make no reference to what happened in the last movie. Like, That's true. It is just completely a standalone adventure. The other reason is that the Delta Force runs two hours and nine fucking minutes. That seems too long it for an action movie. It is so long. It's really long. It's way too long. Can we get a tally of how much action is in this movie versus that movie? It's a different style of movie. So the original movie was a passion product for Menachem Golan. He directed it. So the owner of Canon Films directed the first movie in this series. It was inspired by real events. It was inspired by a hijacking that had happened. And like all of Golan's films, he is trying to create high art, but he has no taste. (laughs) (laughs) He just doesn't have the skill set or the taste to execute. He thinks he's making like the most profound movie about terrorism and Arabs versus Jews and the American, the, the greatness of the American military. And it's just a long, boring movie where a white man, Robert Forrester, is an Arab in brown face. Ooh. Robert Forrester from Jackie Brown. It only has really one memorable sequence, and it's at the end where Chuck Norris has a motorcycle that fires rockets. Okay. Wait, Chuck Norris is James Bond? Yeah, a little bit. Mm. It also comes out of no. It's like one of those things. It's a. This is the thing about Garland film, right? Is that he makes this like realistic drama. All the stuff that's on the, the on the on the plane is very like fraught and realistic and high drama. These people, these hostages, and everything. And then at the end of the movie, Chuck Norris has a motorcycle with rockets. <laughs> like tonally, he has no control and no idea about 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 taste. It, it turns into like a it turns into a Bond movie. Is that because end. he's the owner? He's like, you know what? I'll do this, and no one says no. Yeah, that's shouldn't. well, no one ever said no to them. Him and, and Globus, the two owners of Canon, nobody ever said no to them. They did whatever the fuck they wanted forever, which is why they ran the company into the ground. That movie also has Shelley Winters in it, who was a big it was a big deal, just sweating on a plane for like two hours and nine minutes. That's De- how you make big good use of an actor there. Yeah. <laughs> Delta Force 2, on the other hand, is like it's it's jet fuel. It's it's Reagan and Bush's war on drugs broken down to like its simplest expression.
There's something out there. It's after kids everywhere. It entices them, confuses them, and can even kill them. That's right. Illegal drugs are everywhere. Cocaine coaxes you in, and then when you least expect it, it grabs you. You're hooked, and it's hard to get away. And have you seen what marijuana does to some people? Oh yeah, you've seen them. Total burnout. It slows you down. It softens your mind. And in my neighborhood, you need to move quickly and think fast. Drugs. It's a bloody shame. It's a cartoon. This movie is totally, totally a cartoon. It has a very violent cartoon, but it's basically a cartoon. This movie, like most Canon films, is in the MGM library now, which means it's owned by Amazon, which means wait for a reboot any second. You can find it in most parts of the world on MGM Plus or on Prime, just depending on how they've broken it up in your country. This one wasn't on Prime. The first and the third are. Oh, right. You have to rent or buy it. Right. Yeah. There Cheeky. you go. I couldn't find it on any streaming service. There you go. Shall we talk our way through Delta Force 2, the Columbia Connection, Canon logo? Yeah. It's always every, a good time. Every time. What? I want to play that music at my funeral. <laughs> good to know. Which I want my music? funeral to start with the Canon logo fanfare. Which music okay. is that? It's the music that's on the Canon logo. I'm going to cut it in here. Now I'm going to have to wait a month to listen to that. <laughs> Editing humor. Yay. Yay. We open in Rio de Janeiro, which because this movie is a canon film, will be played by the Philippines. Much like in American Ninja, most of this movie was shot in the Philippines. Of course. Yes. In a limo, coming through the crowd of a carnival slash Mardi Gras, is a man holding a silver carnival mask, while a totally not suspicious van of DEA agents are watching. <laughs> Not subtle. <laughs> Not uh, subtle at all. I had a few problems with this immediately. Uh huh. How is that camera so tight on exactly where he's going to leave oh, the limo? Really? No, <laughs> that's, 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 that's the problem. Okay. It's a very specific problem. Wow. We, it's, that's not a Brody problem, but that is very much an Adam logic problem. <laughs> mm, yeah. No, logic does not exist in this dojo. So, camera logic does not exist in this dojo. <laughs> Thereafter, Ramon Cotto, who is the man in the silver mask. They finally caught him outside of San Carlos, his fake country, not Colombia. He almost never leaves. It's going to be the biggest bust of the decade. Senator Mendoza is one of the most respected citizens in the state, McBain. And yet you ran his limo off a cliff, broke the necks of three of his bodyguards, and drove a bus to his front door? But Captain, I have proof that he's head of an international drug cartel. I don't want to hear it, McBain. You're out of here. <laughs> makes two of us. Coda enters into the party where Agent Page of the DEA is undercover. He'll play a role throughout. The crew in the van get distracted by the size of a dancer's melons. Uh, is that the dancer's melons or the melons of the agent who was wearing a bikini? Is that an agent that's wearing a bikini? Yeah. Okay, I wasn't, maybe I wasn't paying enough She's attention. She's undercover? <laughs> no, no, it's a man. Oh, he's undercover. Yeah. Oh, did you not notice that? Joe? I did not, not notice a man in a bikini. They it's cut to him like, when they're like he's the agents in the, in the crowd, and it's like him in a mask and like a coconut bikini, and he should not wear be wearing a coconut bikini. I never. I saw did that. not see that. Four men in jesters kind of all outfits approach with bad intentions, and Paige gives the order to move in on Coda, but it's a trap. The guy in the mask is not Coda. The jesters Uzi the van to death, always an Uzi. Killing everybody. And inside, Paige is kicked out of the party for not having an invite as Coda watches. And Coda's out of this scene. He flashes his fucking cape like he's Dracula. <laughs> Very good villain intro. 
He has a villain face. He does have a villain face. Such a villain he face. He looks like a snake, the eyes. That does he out. ever play a good guy? No. Coda is played by Billy Drago, and that dude is fucking fascinating. He could have played Dracula. He would have made a great Dracula. He has a career, long career as a character actor. He shows up in Invasion USA. He's in Martial Law 2, Cyborg 2, and more. He's Barbus, the demon of fear in Charmed. Oh, he is too. Yeah, I thought you, you would know that. I'm not saying that's a good show. I've just seen the show. You've just seen the show. Yeah. But yeah, he is too. Give Charmed more credit. His, wait, I've got, <laughs> I've got something else. His son, Darren E. Burrows, is Ed in Northern Exposure. Yes, they have the same face. One of them is evil and one of them is good. Wow. Two, two sides of the same coin. Yeah, it's Ed's dad. So Billy Drago is a guy that like shows up in lots of B-movies and I have known him for years. And He does have his face, but good. Yeah. And by the way, this is who I think deserves an Academy Award nomination in this movie. Oh. He is phenomenal. So you said that he's never played a good guy. He's always never the bad guy. Never played a guy. He's always the bad guy. I'm not surprised because look at that face. That yeah. is a bad guy's face. I'm sure he's lovely. Creepy but face. Is he lovely? Do we know? I don't know. I don't know what he was like as a human being. I'm, uh, I'm assuming he's lovely because usually that's the way it goes when people only ever play villains. They tend to turn out to be like the sweetest guys ever. No, they're <laughs> going to become the villain they play. Mm. <laughs> or that. Back with Agent Page, he finds the bodies in the van and, and Coda taunts him via video. Agent Page, don't you know by now that it's not possible to arrest me or even disrupt my business activities? possible to annoy me and I should treat you the same way that I treated your colleagues but life can be so unexpectedly short agent page so you enjoy it while you can ciao tells page to enjoy his life while he can can I get a quick callback who is the guy who is the decoy actor oh I don't know who that is he looks so familiar Old business. <laughs> no, no. We, we he on. looks like a now famous actor. Uh, if he was, I didn't. It didn't recognize who he was, mm. and, and I don't think he was. I don't think in this movie. That's not the type of thing. In this movie, it's not like, holy shit, there's George Clooney because that happens, right? <laughs> or holy shit, that's Jared Butler playing a radio oper- a radar operator. Like that doesn't. No, the encounter movies that doesn't happen. Nah. People don't get their break in kind of movies. People get, are old and then they break and then they break. <laughs> <laughs> At a Chinese restaurant stateside, some punks are causing trouble. It's always punks. You know why it's always punks? Because punks cause trouble? Because it's emblematic of how people thought of punk in Reagan's America. Skinhead? Well, they're skinheads. He calls them skinheads, but they're dressed like punks. It's because it's rebellion. So they're seen as being always the bad guys. That's why there's always punk. It's always like Death Wish 3 is Charles Bronson versus punks. Punks are usually not that bad, no. really. In like- movie, in 80s movies, punks are the default gang bad guy. And, and when did they the become moral. racist? Offshoot of punks, because there was probably still the good punks. Yeah, I mean, skinheads punks. always existed in, in, the punk, in the punk scene. Mm. Yeah. That's why Dead Candies have a song called Nazi Punks Fuck Off, right? That's fun. Which is the song that in the movie Green Room, the band plays at the Nazi place where they go to. Why would they do that? As a fuck you to the Nazi, to the skinheads. Yeah, but it's a bad choice in a room full of them. Yeah. As we saw in that film. As we saw in that film. I fucking love that movie. Thank you. That was a cover. Chuck I is, think I didn't know that that was a real song when they performed yeah, it. Yeah, yeah, it's a Dead Candy song. Chuck is just trying to eat alone in peace 
McCoy. Our second McCoy in two weeks. We had a McCoy last week. I told you that's a name that is just, it's just it's a sidekick yeah. name. Oh, wait, he's not alone. There's weird edits. It starts with a solo of him. It looks like he's sitting alone and then we cut wider and he's sitting with Bobby, Major Bobby Chavez and his wife, Rita. Just third wheeling it. She is pregnant. And they're talking about whether or not it's a boy or girl. He may as well say he is three days away from retirement. Yeah. yeah. Hey, McBain, you keep eating them hotlings. You're never going to make it to a pension. Come on, live a little, Scoy. No, thank you. Got me a future, partner. I'm two days away from retirement. My daughter's graduating from college. Little Susie's going up. And as soon as we nail Mendoza, my old lady and I are going to sail around the world like we always wanted. We just christened a boat. Yes, sir. Everything's going to be just perfect. Bobby tells us he sees that look in, in his eye. Bobby is played by Paul Perry. He is Dr. Bloom in Michael Mann's Manhunter, which is a movie that I love greatly. He's also in John Carpenter's Memoirs of an Invisible Man. Yes, John Carpenter made an Invisible Man movie that you have not seen. It's got fucking Chevy Chase in it. Oh, <laughs> that's either dangerous or fantastic. The making of that movie is wild because John Carpenter versus Chevy Chase. Oh, wow. Yeah. Can yeah. we watch that as well? It's on the list. And he's also in Demolition Man. No, I mean Man. the behind the scenes of it. <laughs> can we just be on that set and watch what happens? And he's also in Demolition Man. Chuck's not going to fight. McCoy just finished his meal. McCoy goes over and advises the restaurant owner on the correct technique to use on skinheads. Not fighting, giving them, in fact, a motivational seminar. When he left the table, didn't he say he wasn't going to fight? I didn't fight. I gave a motivational seminar. <laughs> I do want to know what move the restaurateur was trying to use. I don't, like I don't know. The flying slap? I don't know. The open hand kind of attack. Yeah. In San Carlos, not Colombia, Cotto lands his plane, in his, lands in his private plane, he is home. On the way to his compound, he asks his bodyguard, Miguel, to see the latest Coca numbers. They've had eight shipments taken by the DEA in a month. He thinks there's a spy in their organization. Gee, I wonder who it is. <laughs> and then there's a loving kind of moment between them. I will very, talk more about that. It's very move, tender. As we move on. He's sending Miguel to talk to their distributors in Miami. They stop by the side of the road. Things are going to get a little, little rough here. They stop by the side <laughs> of the road where some workers are harvesting cocoa and a woman nursing a baby is not working. Coda wants to know why. She's a bad example to the others. So they force her to work and take her baby. And she wasn't working because she was afraid that the sun would hurt the, the baby. The sun would, sun would, yeah. She wouldn't take the baby out into the into the heat. So she's under right. a little tent. How, how else is the baby going to get a nice even tan? Yeah. <laughs> the father tries to protect her and his baby. And Coda kills him, stabs him to death. Takes the woman, telling her if she wants the baby, she has to get in the Jeep. And then he tells Miguel to take her to his bedroom, give her a bath, and get rid of the baby. I'd forgotten uh, how brutal he is can, in this movie. Can you say the line exactly? A beautiful bath. First, give her a beautiful bath. Okay. Well, we, the creepiest way to say that. We will have cut it in. Yeah, it was a creepy way to say that. I mean, it sets up how fucking evil he yeah. is. But also... I don't know if he needed to be quite that evil. Why Why has he got to kill the baby? There's a callback to that line as well later. Yeah, there is. Back in the US of A, Bobby and McCoy meet with General Taylor and some of the boys, including Paige from the DEA. Taylor is played by John P. Ryan. He's your favorite? He's so, it is eats scenery. He's over the top, yeah. He is very cartoony. He's very smiley. He was Jennings in Best of the Best. He's just the guy that argues with uh, James L. Jones about the team. Oh. He has a very small role. 
cute, confused look from Kira. Yeah. Okay. But he shows up in lots of canon movies. He's in Runaway Train, which we've talked about with Eric Roberts and John Voight, but we've never, but we've not watched. You've seen it. It's the when they're on the tra- the prisoners on the train in like the this train oh. that's running away. He's the warden in that movie. Oh, okay. Yeah. Death Wish Four, Avenging Force, which is a Dudikoff movie. Three O'clock High, which is a high school movie that is a high school western based on High Noon. Intriguing. Where a kid has to fight a bully at three o'clock high. Oh, I'd, I'd watch that. It's a really that good movie. That sounds interesting. Yeah, it's on the, it's it's on the list. Be, right? yeah, yeah, absolutely. Uh, That's when you're getting creative with trying to cross your genres. I know, right? Fatal Beauty, Whoopi Goldberg movie, class of 1999. His last movie is Bound, which is the Wachowski's first movie. Uh. Paige and the DA give us a lesson on the drug war. Cocaine has a stranglehold on the USA. I get angry just thinking about it makes me mad. Little kids doing drugs, it turns my stomach. That stuff hurts. Stop you from living up to your potential. It holds you back. It hurts the user. It hurts his family. And it hurts his friends. I just want to shake some sense into you kids that are using drugs and thinking about using. So remember, don't or else. Okay? That's why they need McCoy in the Delta Force. I think it still does. Yeah. We get a bio on Coda. He's the world's richest drug dealer and the US has no extradition treaty with non-Columbia. They have no extradition treaty with with Chicken Palmerstan. (laughs) The president has given this his top priority and given them a blank check, all the resources they need. Coda always seems to know when they are onto him. The president of San Carlos is a well-intentioned man but barely holds under power. The real player of power is General Omega. He's an ugly son of a bitch. They're sending McCoy and Bobby to talk to a mole in Coda's organization and to get him out, they have to use Delta Force because there's also a mole in the DEA. It's lots of moles. Do we ever find out who the mole in the DEA is? No. We never find out? We never find out. That's weird. Yeah. That seems like surely we found out in the script and they cut it? They get in a fucking taxi. I was confused by this. They tell them a taxi is waiting. They get in the taxi. They're driving around and Bobby says, we've been driving around for 20, for 20 minutes. And then they reveal that the taxi driver is Miguel. <laughs> Look, I liked it. I just feel like I they, was did, just they, didn't, they didn't play it as well as they could. I thought they were getting in a taxi and the taxi was taking them to the contact. But the taxi, the taxi driver is just the contact. It's Miguel. So he was just waiting? to. Yeah, because they didn't want to reveal it to the DEA who apparently have a mole that we never find out about. That the taxi driver is the contact. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> they park and he tells them that Coda is headed to Switzerland to deposit his cash. Miguel isn't coming in because Coda would never suspect him because he's real subtle. McCoy asks if the plane Coda is, tra- is traveling in will fly over US airspace. It'll be over the Florida Keys, but only for a few minutes. And McCoy has that look in his eye again. <laughs> has, has anyone done the mapping on that? It's taken a weird diversion just to fly over the Keys <laughs> to go from somewhere in South America in to Switzerland. Florida Keys. Yes. McCoy having a look in his eye. Does Chuck Norris ever have a look in his eye other than just... Chuck Norris. Chuck Norris. Yeah, uh, I didn't really notice a yeah, particular I think, look. I think they just wanted to call back that uh, that line a few times, which they do with a lot of lines. There's a lot of callbacks to lines, yeah. On the plane, Coda is listening to classical music because he's a villain and also because wearing a Walkman means that you can't hear anything ever happening behind you, at least in movies. <laughs> he has the whole first class to himself. Bobby and McCoy enter and take out Coda's goons. They arrest him. Coda tells McCoy, you're dead. They exit into the cargo hold, grab parachutes. This is a hijacking. No, skyjacking. It's a hijacking. Skyjacking the proper word now. Put the goddamn thing on. <laughs> Coda won't put on his parachute, so McCoy threatens to throw him out without one. Coda offers him millions of dollars if he lets him go. 
And then he does, in fact, let him go. Yep. I loved this. I like it too. McCoy jumps out and point breaks towards him. <laughs> By the way, point break is a year after this. Uh, it's great. I really like this stuff. It's all like real stuff in the sky. I was going to say whether. Except for Chuck Norris. Except for the close ups of Chuck yeah, Norris. Yeah, because some of the stuff with Chuck Norris felt like that can't possibly be. Oh, you can be just real. see that it's a stuntman's face when, yeah. they're, when they're doing real shots of. Wait, who's, who's Chuck Norris's body double if the body double is directing? I don't know. There must be another one. Maybe the director's getting in. They there do. Like, I think I'm there's a third this. brother. <laughs> I think there's Eric Norris. Eric Norris, Norris is credited in the as a stuntman in the movie. So maybe oh. he's. So I think there's a third brother. Coda's wearing a suit that hides his parachute. Uh, the pre- he looks pregnant. He looks pregnant. Yeah, and you can see the Velcro where it like breaks where it breaks away. It's a fun technique that was developed for the for the Bond movies, that, so that they could do people looks like people are falling without parachutes. They still do that stuff now, but now they just like digitally, yeah, <laughs> digitally get rid of the seam. This movie reminds me, and the reason I mentioned Bond is this is the canon version of License to Kill with Timothy Dalton, in which Bond goes after drug lords. He goes after Robert Darby as a drug lord, which is funny because that Bond movie is the Miami Vice canon movie of James Bond movies. Not enough mustaches. Not enough mustaches. Catches him just in time, of course, and in court while Coda is, you know, making eye daggers at McCoy and Bobby, his defense lawyer claims that Coda was kidnapped illegally. Scanner. Scanner. Yeah. Oh, we get the general also having a uh, callback line as well. Always the hard way. Always the hard yeah. way. Yeah. The judge denies the lawyer's motion, but sets bail at a lunch money $10 million for Coda. And then Coda torts Bobby into decking him. Uh, judge asks Coda if he wants to press charges. He doesn't. He's not one to hold a grudge. And he slaps away the, the guards. Like, yeah, no, yeah, yeah. No, nobody, nobody's business. No, no, no. Yeah, it's good fun. Yeah, Coda's great. Billy Drago's amazing in this movie. I wish he was in a better movie. I wish he was. Uh, I wish he was playing this role in a, in a Bond movie. Yeah, that'd be a good time. Yeah, I wish he replaced Robert Darby in License to Kill, and I like Robert Darby as an actor, not as a human being, but as an actor. Bobby, his wife Rita, and McCoy watch Bobby's little brother's little brother win a high school basketball game. Bobby is so into this game. <laughs> He's got a camera. He's filming it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, Rita sends them to go get pizza while they go home and set up and, you know, plug the tape machine in so they can watch his footage back. They're going to go celebrate. Uh, they're all super in love with each other. At home, Rita answers the door. Who is it? Goons. Who? Hired goons. Hired goons. And, of course, they kill everybody. They kill Bobby's brother. Coda's there himself. Um, I, don't, I don't know whether Bobby's brother dies because he's been taken away in an ambulance. Nah, well, we don't see him again, so it, it's a type of death in cinema. <laughs> yeah, Coda's so fucking creepy. I thought this was going to go in a very different very direction. Very different direction, yeah. Mm. But he kills Rita. McCoy and Bobby with the pizza arrive and see flashing lights. It's the classic. Yeah. Classic, they killed my wife. Yeah. And Bobby just walks straight into the crime scene to look at the body of his dead wife. Yeah. Nobody stops him. Nobody cares. It's not a great way to preserve a crime scene. The Don't a worry, cop, Delta Force are on it. A <laughs> cop or a medic like picks Bobby up and escorts him out like he's escorting out somebody that just walked into the wrong place. <laughs> like it, it, it's such a bizarre piece of blocking. He comes over awkwardly, picks him up and then like just ushers, him out, him, out the ushers him out like he's an old man that forgot where he was. <laughs> after everyone's gone, Bobby and McCoy talk in whispers. Bobby's going to go after Coda. 
but McCoy won't let him. He'll stop him. McCoy is going to take Bobby to his place, and when he stands up, of course, Bobby knocks him out cold. Betrayal. Brutal. In sunny San Carlos, Coda's watching a polo game in which Miguel is playing. Oh, in my notes I named that croquet. Thank you for saying the right game. <laughs> horse croquet. <laughs> croquet with horses. It's polo. Yeah, polo. And it was filmed brutally. Like, it was awesomely filmed. Yeah, it's it's pretty good. Yeah. Some of the stunt stuff in this movie is pretty it's pretty fun. Mm. I think there, there's a weakness to some of the stunt stuff that we will talk about once we get to it. Yeah. Bobby is stalking through the crowd and is stopped by Coda's goons. And then after the game in the stables, it's not Coda's goons. It's the DEA. And Paige is there. He's in retrospect, s- they definitely should have just let him kill him. Oh, well, movie's over. Well, then what's Chuck Norris do? Just go back and eat Chinese I know, food? but from the perspective of, of getting the job done, food. he was very close and they could have just let him do it. Paige is sending him back to the United States. They've got to do this thing right. As they leave, 20 dudes with Uzis corner them. The DEA yeah, I was goon. I was thinking about the, blo- the sort of staging of that. You have the people that they're going to shoot at in the middle. Mm-hmm. You have people on three sides. Mm-hmm. I think four. No, oh, I think three. One, one of them was Coda. Yeah. So three sides, right? Mm-hmm. And then they all Point shoot if they were going to shoot. Right. The people who are across from each other are going to end up shooting each other, no? Yeah, they're in the crossfire. Yeah. Especially with Uzis. Like yeah. those things are not accurate. Like that's no. not a good plan for the people doing it. No, you think not. they should have done more of a semicircle or only two sides or. Or just use one gun. Or just, just one side. I mean, you don't really need that many guns. No. Maybe these guys shoot on one side and the other two two sides are just there to stop people from running. Mm-hmm. Maybe they planned it out. Maybe they, they did have a, a discussion on... On don't ha- shoot each other because you would end up shooting each other. Maybe they have a shooting order. Maybe they drew lots. But the order wouldn't change the fact that you're shooting at your friends on the other side of the... Well, everyone moves. Oh, they... Okay. It's like a rotation. As long as there's a plan. I don't know. At uh, Coda's Hilltop Compound... I mean, they're the bad guys, so I, don't, I suppose I don't care if they die, but it upset my brain. At Coda's Hilltop Compound, and of course he has one because this is a canon film, it's the exact same setup as American Ninja. What, Hilltop Compound? <laughs> yeah. Do you think they just had one place? But it's like, a di- it's, not the, it's not the same place. Uh-huh. I checked. <laughs> but it is. It was an abandoned mansion... In Shatter. the Philippines. I mean, they, that's where, where lairs are, aren't yeah. they? They're either that or underground. They're always on the top of a hill, cliffs around, one road in. Yeah. Miguel returns from his, uh, I don't know, his post-polo shower, and Coda is holding a meeting with all of his, you know, various goons. And Coda is very sad because one of them has betrayed him. I feel like this was the the Austin Powers meet, meeting with all the... It's all, very Bond. Yeah, very Bond. It's very Bond. None of the chairs like went into Sink the ground. Sink into the ground yeah, or yeah, yeah. have electrocution going on. He does have a <laughs> death actually, room. I actually think this movie would benefit from some of that kind of nonsense. Yeah. <laughs> General Omita is there. That's Mark Margolis. He's another character actor that shows up in all kinds of fucking movies, right? Uh, he is not a South American man. He's a Jewish man from Philadelphia. He uh, plays so many South American people. He does, yeah. He's in almost every Darren Aronofsky movie because he's in Darren Aronofsky's first movie, Pi, and then Aronofsky has brought him back to be in everything else. He's also in Scarface, The Cotton Club, The Secret of My Success, the Michael J. Fox movie, Ace Ventura, the Who Thomas... Is, oh, he's the landlord in Ace Ventura. Thomas yeah. Crown Affair, End of Days... Dinner Rush, which is an indie movie with Denny Aleo that is a great movie that is so not appropriate for for this podcast, but people should just watch that movie because it's a really good movie. He's in Hardball, the Keanu Reeves baseball movie that makes me cry like a baby. Hannibal, Daredevil, Gone Baby Gone. He is Hank Moody's father in Californication. Oh, my God. He's also the guy who kills Gus Fring. 
Breaking Bad. Never seen it. <laughs> really? Yeah, it's not my thing. Oh. I watched the first like three episodes of Breaking Bad and went, yeah, I don't you, get it. You do confuse me sometimes. I don't get it. Mm. I don't think that it's as, I don't, from what I saw, I just don't get the big deal. Yeah, it's because you only watched three episodes. But, okay. Oh, is it one of those? But it's like six seasons long and it's meant to be it's meant to be the okay. It's meant to be the downfall of Walter White, right? In the second episode, he dissolves bodies with with acid. Yeah, yeah, he's a whole person. How is that an arc? No, no, but like I want to see a good person become a like slowly take the moral descent into darkness to become a drug lord, which I thought was what that show was. Nah, and the he, second episode, he used the science to dissolve human bodies. He wasn't a good person. He was an average person. He was an American, uh, you know, an average but he's not an average, That's not something be, an average, average person would do. Don't, don't That's not something, like, so he is a psychopath. It's my, it's my the issue with Jack Nicholson in The Shining. Jack Nicholson is a madman from the first frame of that movie. So how am I watching him descend into, descend into madness? Well, so because the, the of the levels are wrong, performance, right? Like he's descending from you know mild madness to heavy madness. Eh, it's just it's just not my it's just not my thing. I actually think I might have watched most of the first season. I think I've watched more than more than three episodes. But it's just just like not what you. It's jammed. not. Here's the thing. I don't think that I'm not like I don't think the show's bad. I just am like I don't see the fascination. I'm like I've seen this before in other, this kind of arc before in other in other things done better or something yeah so it just doesn't have it so it just doesn't have appeal to, appeal to me and then therefore i've never seen any any of the end i know who gus fring is because that actor he, uh the actor that we're talking about plays a like a mute kind of old person in, in a in a wheelchair that right. kind of has, has a grudge and manages to kill right there you the go. bad guy there you go as a bad guy it still looks exactly the same <laughs> yeah he does mark mcgolls has looked the same for 40 there's years a, there's a lot of ageless people in this movie yeah <laughs> Coda outs Miguel as the mole because obviously, and then he you know pushes a button and a and a secret panel moves and he reveals that Bobby is tied up in a glass chamber. Coda strokes Miguel's face before gutting him slowly. I like the sexual tension. <laughs> so it, the reveal of of the guy in the ga- in the gas chamber is that to imply that he told him that Miguel's the? Sp- no, I think he's known that Miguel was the oh, okay. the, the well, whole time. He, he finds out after the the skyjacking. But yeah, I think he. I think he's known for a long time. Right. I think he just hasn't. He just, just hasn't chosen to reveal he, himself yet. He explains right. it. He says, "I was. You were the only one I told about my travel plans." Oh yeah, my that's right. Plans, yeah, yeah. I, yeah. Sorry, you are. You are correct there. Yeah. Gas releases into the room that Bobby is trapped in, and he slowly chokes to death. That is not a pleasant way to go. No. No. And he te- the bad guy tells the tells the room of goons that that he that he loved Miguel. Yes, he did. Am I loved? At a press conference. Taylor tells the press that the DEA hostages are still alive. One reporter presses him with a lot of very correct information that makes me wonder how she knows those things. She's the mole. And then Taylor just goes nuts, yelling. I, I he love him yells. in this. He yells out the facts as a justification for invasion of a foreign country. He Colonel Powell's it. Kid, I really want to let kids know that illegal drugs are bad news. Yes, David, it's true. Over 100,000 teenagers were admitted into hospitals last year because of drugs. Yeah, but I'm talking about kids' futures. Did you know that marijuana can affect a person's physical and sexual growth? Yes, that's quite accurate. In a laboratory test, female animals treated with the active component in marijuana experienced a 44% death rate among their offspring. This is much more important than facts and figures. What kids should know is that marijuana has got more cancer-causing agents 
weapons than tobacco. And a lot of young kids use drugs on a daily basis. Actually, Michael, the fact is that one in 18 high school seniors smokes marijuana daily. And then there are the occasional users which account Inject for... Get this through your CPU. They don't care about statistics. You know you're right. I've got it. Just tell them illegal drugs are bad, so don't mess with them. Illegal drugs are bad news. Don't mess with them. It's he, wild. He has a lot of energy in this movie. He's very excited about this. I love the way he ends the press conference. Yes. <laughs> he, he says, good morning. Good morning. The most yeah. angry good morning, good morning ever. And walks away. <laughs> was, was that his good day? Was someone yes. like, good day, sir. <laughs> It's great. It felt, feels like he was told to say good morning at the end of his press conference, and so he still did it. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> in, the, in kind of like a mirroring press conference, we see the president of San Marcos, uh, San Marcos, San Carlos clap back. We may be a nation of drug pushers, but you're a nation of drug users. No, 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 no. It's almost like the drug war is a farce. It perpetuates a systematic and military industrial police force, and drug abuse is a problem that should be treated as a health issue and addressed with education and compassion outside the justice system. But hey, that's just me. All right, once again, this is your brain. This is your brain on drugs. Question. Yeah! What are you on? Looks like a frying pan and some eggs to me. <laughs> Surely they're not saying that at all. No, that's what I think. And I just wanted to say those words. McCoy meets with Taylor and shows him the tape of Bobby choking to death. Yeah, Wait, I don't think He's your friend dying. Yeah, I don't feel like he needed to do that. And he didn't seem that interested. He was more interested in the photos on the Oh, uh, we're not there the yet. Tape. No, no, that's not that's later. Oh. Yeah, that's later. Yeah, you did a birdie. Hey. Good job. Yay. Job now you job. really replaced him. We don't need him at all anymore. <laughs> so if you can just like objectify the men like 10% more, we'd be yeah. there. I don't know who to objectify in this movie. Like I did this. ask Brody to text me to let me know who we're supposed to be objectifying, but he didn't text me Yeah, back. McCoy takes out his rage on his colleagues. He just beats the shit out of a bunch of dudes in slow motion one by one. There's a lot of slow motion in the fight scenes. Is that a... Is it, that a Chuck Norris thing? Is that because is that because Chuck Norris is not that impressive at full speed? Uh. <laughs> Chuck Norris has a particular style of martial arts that I don't think is very appealing on camera. He has his moves, right, that he does in almost all of his movies. The backwards kick. Yeah, well, the flying sidekick. That one. The, yeah. There's a bunch of wrestling holds in this. Yeah. He does a bunch of, like, what wrestlers use as res- as wrestling arm bars and knee bars and ankle picks and yeah. all kinds of bits and pieces. He even does a, 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 a kachina clutch. Is that what oh, it's yeah. called? Kachina clutch, yeah. Yeah, kachina clutch. Taylor shows him some satellite photos, so this is now, of Coda's compound. There's one road in. It's all switchbacks. There's 100 men with guns, and it's protected on all three sides. There's definitely more than 100. Most mountains have four sides. <laughs> I don't think mountains are squares. The fourth is a sheer mountain of granite that cannot be climbed. Which just means Which that just means that that's we're going to be happen. climbing yeah. that. Yeah. Did, did they get those notes when they made this? Because that mountain was not sheer when we watched it. It's like the, it was in the script. They couldn't find a location that really worked. Yeah, that mountain kind of looks okay. <laughs> <laughs> it's canon. It is parts a canon of it, film. Parts of it were just flat. Yeah. I don't think it was the same mountain, though, from the wide shot. So... Taylor is called away. We'll talk about what he's called away for in a second. McCoy pockets a photo of the house, which never really comes back either. Like, it doesn't really matter. 
he knows is going to go to the house. They come up with a That's plan the in plan, a second. Yeah. yeah. So Taylor comes back fucking super pumped. Oh, wow. So pumped. The president's given them permission. It's a very strange performance. <laughs> that was the president. He just viewed the videotape I left him of Ramon torturing Major Chavez. He blew his stack. He called President Alcazar in San Carlos and threatened to withdraw economic aid if he didn't cooperate. I like the choice. He almost like backwards hugs McCoy. Have, did you guys notice that Taylor is super handsy? He's very happy and very cuddly. He's touchy with everybody. Yeah. It's a weird choice. It's a strange performance. I mean, I like it. I'm all about it. Yeah. He, he, as I said, he's my favorite. So they have made it. He's the, my favorite too. The, the president of the United States and the president of San Carlos have made a kind of deal, which is that they will allow the DA to come in and burn some coca fields, but only like in a restricted operation, essentially. And so what they're going to do is have McCoy go and attempt a rescue of the DEA hostages while that happens. And they have one week to be ready. Kind of get a montage. Delta Force trains in a kill house and we get more of Chuck versus his own dudes. What is crazy? The movie's called Delta Force. There's not really a force. It's There's Chuck Norris and then a bunch of extras in black clothing. Yeah. And I feel like the slow motion stuff that we were talking about a second ago makes it less impressive. Yeah. I don't know whether it's just because I'm used to martial arts that's quick, but then, but usually, but like I've seen slow motion Brendan Lee stuff and that's still impressive. It's because it's used to accentuate a moment or a particular move. It doesn't work when you're using it for an entire sequence where every move that Chuck is doing has no flow. It's cut up. It's edited up. Right. And it's all in slow motion. Yeah. It's not impressive. And it doesn't yeah. look like he's training them. He's just beating them up. He's just beating them yeah, up. Yeah, it doesn't really explain why he's doing that. Yeah. There's no sensei in this at all. No. Just makes it seem like the rest of his team isn't very good. <laughs> yeah. Taylor visits Chuck. The word is that the op has leaked and that they know that they're coming, meaning Coda. Coda has said that he will kill the DA hostages if the military touches ground in San Carlos. And so McCoy wants to go into San Carlos 48 hours early and solo, he's going to climb that mountain so that he can get to the hostages before the military operation begins. Then on a plane, Taylor's going to have to retire after this mission. I'm going to retire after this mission. You say that every time. (laughs) Wait, what? Did we hear that? Yeah. I yeah. totally missed that. It, there's a, there's some comp- there's like I'm going to this is so stressful I'm going to have to retire after this op and then Chuck Norris says you say that every mission. He doesn't <laughs> seem stressed at all. He seems like he's, he's having a, he's day having a great time. Uh, he smiles the whole time. Yeah, his local contact is a is a lady named Kukina. It's the woman whose baby and husband were killed by Coda. We found out that Coda used the baby's body to s- smuggle cocaine and then he raped her. But he shouldn't bring that up when he meets her because it might be awkward. It might be upsetting. Yep. How tactful do they think he is? <laughs> Taylor reminds McCoy that his target is the hostages and not Coda. Wink, wink. <laughs> I can't avenge my partner's death with this pea shooter. I don't want to hear it, Bang. That, that cannon of yours is against regulations. In this department, we go by the book. By book. He parachutes in. On the ground, he jump scares Kukina. Oh, there was a also uh, always the hard way. Always, there. oh yeah, yeah, there's another callback. Another one. That was number two. Yeah, okay. Are you keeping count? I'm yeah. glad. Yeah, excellent. She tells him to follow her, and then they go to a village where she introduces him to El Jefe, the village elder. Why does that man get introduced to us? I wonder. 
Just so that we know who he is later. Yeah, he seems, he seems really nice, and we get a bit of sympathy for the even, villagers. Yep. Yeah. Uh, while Taylor, uh, then meanwhile Taylor arrives in San Carlos and meets Ernesto Flores, or Ernesto, the president's lackey slash PR guy, who's there to observe and make sure that the US adheres to the agreement in terms of the mission. <laughs> Poor Ernesto. I feel bad for him throughout the whole thing. <laughs> yeah, it's like when um America invaded. Iraq for the second time, there was like the Saddam spokesman that came out every day and was like, everything's fine. We're fighting back against the Americans. Everything's great. He's just having a <laughs> terrible time. Terrible time. In the jungle, McCoy and uh, Kukina cross over a liana, which is a narrow bridge of boards with like vines as rope over a gorge. Uh, they did like the fake fall and she gives him shit about him being He's too carrying heavy. too much. Yeah. And so ask questions and we get a lesson about how infrared works on coca leaves, which is Good for everybody to know. And did again, you think, did is anyone, that true? Did anyone fact check that? I don't know. Okay. Yeah. No. I didn't check, but I would like to know if that's real. There's going to be so much old business now. Taylor <laughs> walks over with his cup of coffee and he leans on Ernesto's shoulder like they're good buds. Poor He's Ernesto. so touchy. <laughs> so handsy. Poor Ernesto getting harassed by the general. McCoy reaches the bottom of the mountain. I'm going to fuck this up. I apologize. I do not speak Spanish. Espinaza del Diablo, the devil's backbone. Right. This is now halfway through the movie. Oh, we'll the final, talk about... Yeah, the final mission is now. That's a long mission. Half of the movie is the last mission. The rest of Delta Force arrives in San Carlos. Anessa's not happy that there are soldiers there, but they're not armed, so everything, it'll be fine. Kukina looks at a photo of her husband and her baby in an amulet, and McCoy comforts her, and she tells him, God be with him, and he's very appreciative. He starts his climb. Where's Coda? Coda kind of disappears from this movie. I like it when Coda's doing stuff. I miss <laughs> Coda. I think when Coda's not gone, all the other characters should be saying, where's Coda? <laughs> Next time we see him, he's in a bathrobe, so I'm imagining he's having a good long spa. Nice scrub. Oh, a beautiful, a beautiful bath. bath. <laughs> nice. Taylor questions Ernesto about the plan, and they get into what it is that Taylor is allowed to do here. McCoy is just climbing. He argues with a snake on a mountain. <laughs> How did you get up here? It's a snake. (laughs) Yeah. And then back at Kukina's village, that's where Coder is. He's questioning the villagers because a parachute landed near here. A little girl knocks when he threatens El Jefe. Coder kills him anyway. That's why we met El Jefe. He didn't get used at all. Yeah. Oh, my God. And and it keeps going. You're right. This is like the end. This is the last act of the movie, and it goes on for fucking ever. McCoy slips. Slides down the mountain, is saved by his trusty rope. I don't really understand what it is that he's doing when he's bouncing back and forth. Uh, It's just so that there's movement and action. He's he's trying to like run up the side to get to a a hole. Yeah, but the hole that he grabs onto is not that far. I know. He didn't need to run because he runs past it. Or he bounces himself past it. And then when he does eventually grab it, it's like you could have grabbed that the first time. You've got to remember it's a sheer block of granite. There's no holes. There's Except no holes. for the very obvious hole that's right there that we can <laughs> yeah. see in the wide shot. It's also not sheer. Ernesto reads Taylor a press release. I have just received this message. This morning at dawn, in a series of surprise military raids, the army of San Carlos, under the direct and personal leadership of General Olmedo, destroyed seven laboratories and burned 100,000 acres of coca fields. What the hell are you talking about? President Alcázar has informed your president there will be no American interference. General Taylor, my friend, your mission is cancelled. 
General Omeda has jumped them and raided the coca fields, meaning the American mission is no longer needed. Did that just happen because he pissed off the the little the the lackey? Yeah, oh. Ernesto. Yeah, poor Ernesto. If he hadn't pissed off Ernesto, they would have been able to just continue with their plan as as no, planned. No, no, no. I, uh, I don't know. So they're not going to do the mission. What about the DA agents? What about McCoy? What's oh, going to no. happen? Oh no! Oh no! comes home, tells one of his henchmen, Carlos, to take personal charge of his security tonight. As they chat, he's rubbing Carlos's hand. <laughs> You're turning into Brody. I'm not. This is absolutely a subtext within the movie that Coda is also touchy feely. Is also touchy feely. It's an interesting choice, but it's a choice I'm very conflicted about. Do you, do you think it's a like a homoerotic kind of? I think the idea of a queer Mexican drug lord is an interesting twist in a movie like this, especially in this time. But I just fucking know that the people making this movie made him queer. Because in 1990, that makes him more repugnant and evil. So you think he actually is like in the text? Yes. Oh, the way that he, the way that he like physically strokes men throughout this movie is not accidental. Whether or not that is a choice by the actor or direction by the director or is in the screen, the screenplay, it is a, it is absolutely in the text and it's and it's a choice. I just think it's that just a choice to make him more bad. I just think yes, it is a choice to make him more other, more different, more more repugnant and more evil. Right. in Reagan and Bush's America, mm-hmm. which is fucking horrendous. Yeah. But is an interesting idea if in that is not the reason that you did it. Yeah. Well, we, we, we see that. We see that in one of our latest James Bond movies where we have... Uh, Javier Bardem. Mm-hmm. Yeah. yeah. And, and he does it well and suddenly it's a different context. It is also another thing that makes him strange. I do like the fact that Bond replies... It's not my first time. <laughs> Implying that Bond is in fact bi. Opens up a whole new world. Opens up a whole new world. Mm. I want bi Bond. Mm. I want bi, absolutely positively want bi Bond in the year 2023. Why not? Yeah, why not? Let's not, let's, let's not go into all the other questions of who else is going to be Bond, you know, women, etc. Well, no, Barbara Broccoli has said a woman will never play James Bond. I know. And But a woman shouldn't play James Bond. A woman Jamie, should play... Jamie Bond. A woman should... Play her own character. Her own character, like yeah. like the woman that takes 00, the 007 number in mm. No Time to Die. Yeah. She's fantastic. Uh, I've forgotten that, Lashana Lynch or something. I've forgotten that, that actor's, actor's name. She's phenomenal in that movie. Taylor's waiting to hear back from the president of the United States about what to do, but it's taking time because encryption. They find out that the raid was a hoax. They just burnt some villages and they have a go. So he invites a very angry Ernesto along for the ride as they take off in a bunch of, in, in a helicopter. And remember, they don't have any weapons. They have no weapons of any kind. It's a peaceful mission to Very burn peaceful. some fields. How are they going to burn it without weapons? Mm, Maybe they have a lighter. Maybe they're going to just <laughs> use harsh language. Wait, oh what, no, what? it's a Chuck Norris movie. We can't no. use harsh language. Wasn't that on the on the helicopter that has like big rockets attached to it? Yeah, <laughs> we have no weapons. Wait. Ignore the rockets. <laughs> McCoy has made it to the. They're compa- in the air. They don't count. <laughs> McCoy has made it to the compound. He goes into the radar room and just leans in next to the guy watching the radar like he's looking at the screen before knocking him out. <laughs> so rude. He kills the radar dish and radios Taylor. Stranglehold is a go. They open up a secret locker in the helicopter and arm themselves. Wait, is this the first the time we hear the operation name? Well, they've used the word stranglehold earlier. Drugs have a stranglehold on America. So, yeah. It's a bit of a callback. See, but better really title. Better it's title. a better title. Operation Stranglehold. Much better title. Mm. Than using a name of a country that's not in the film. But then how will we know that it's about cocaine? Just, that doesn't really matter, does it? I mean, we'll figure it out. It's probably written on the back. 
Ernesto is highly vexed by the guns. Poor Ernesto. They drop some Delta Force guys to go stretch their legs and they infiltrate a compound that is a little bit further down the hill, murking some goons in silence and finding an 80s film production amount of cocaine in a storage room. Taylor and the hero raid a drug farm from the air and just kill everybody. <laughs> just blow shit up. I just want to know why Machine they- Machine gun people did, down. Did they just do this to get the attention of the army? It feels like it is both- to damage Coda, but also as a distraction. Because the mission's not to get Coda, it's to get the hostages. But why did that... Yeah, it, it, it confuses me a little bit about the motivation of the general, and then he's like, actually, let's go get Coda. Yeah. The foreman of the drug farm calls the general, who's having lady trouble. I do like that Mike McGollis is just standing on a balcony, like trying to reason with this woman, but he's clearly <laughs> upset. <laughs> it's a nice choice. He calls a red alert, putting San Carlos's forces into action. The general ends up getting on a helicopter of his own, and taking and taking off. It's two generals, two helicopters, one winner. <laughs> I'd watch that. Chuck's still wandering around the compound, finds the hostages while Delta Force sets charges. It's a long time between them setting those charges that have timers and that and that that blowing uh, off did, at exactly the we, right moment for it to blow up. Did we see the timers? Was it like yeah, 10, we 10 see the, minutes? We, we see the timers, yeah. I didn't pay attention to what time it was. One of the timers they put behind a glass bottle that you can see through. Like they're trying yeah. to hide it. <laughs> but not really. But not, magnified. But it's not they make it look bigger. Yeah. Well, the camera needs to see it. All the other ones they hid like in hiding spots. But yeah. that one, they, he like picks up this glass bottle, puts it behind it, puts the glass bottle back and doesn't realise you can still, that's right. I mean, you just made it more noticeable, mate. Delta Force. Yeah. Not good at playing hide and seek. McCoy f- comes into the room using the door to knock over a guard and freeze Paige and his DA friends. Delta Force is waiting for them downhill. He's got to go pay his last respects to the host. He does some Jim Carter to get up onto a balcony. <laughs> it's the deadly combination of gymnastics and martial arts. Was it actually Jim Carter? <laughs> no, no. no. Kian like, just likes to say oh. Jim Carter as many times on the podcast. And then as say that it's possible. the deadly combination of gymnastics and martial arts. The explosive <laughs> combination of gymnastics <laughs> and martial arts. Which we will, Kurt of course, Thomas. be teaching our child. Yes. He finds Coda's bedroom which is, of course, super sleazy. Silk everywhere. Takes out a mulleted henchman, but Carlos, the uh, other henchman, clotheslines him from behind. And yeah, they fight. Too much slow motion. Too many cuts on hits. It's it's bad. It's not a good fight. And at some point, does like... Is, it goes on for a long time. Is Chuck going easy on the henchman and then like pretending to lose? We get, how do you like the lesson? You're not so tough. My turn to teach. My turn to teach. I don't think Chuck Norris can act. No. Is, it, is it not clear that I think I, as a child, I was so fucking enamored of Chuck Norris, right? Because he was a martial arts guy. Mm. As an adult, he sucks. <laughs> he's fucking terrible. <laughs> the fight is bad. Mm. He, it's not like he's bad at martial arts, but they clearly are not. It's just, he just doesn't look impressive. Well, it's not a martial arts made for movies. No. We, look, we, we see that now. People using martial arts that's actually made for movies that wouldn't be good in any real world of instance. Yeah, but even this, like, it's all very one attack at a time. There is no flow. There's no flow to the coordination. This movie is two years before Rapid Fire, which has some of the best fucking fight choreography that we have seen on this podcast. This is Brendan, like two years before Brendan Lee versus Al Leong. And Chuck Norris is doing slow motion sidekicks and throwing people. Yeah. It's fucking awful. It's just not very impressive. Chuck kicks his ass. Lesson number one. I feel like the list should have been longer. There should be more lessons. There's like two or three. There's only two. Carlos calls for help and Chuck shushes him. (laughs) What do you mean shushes him? He literally says, shush. (laughs) That was almost exactly like he said it. 
it was he would have said fucking it. amazing. <laughs> it ends with school's out. <laughs> And Carl gets impaled on a statue. After only two lessons. Coda claps and comes in with some goons holding Uzis. This movie has half an hour to go still. It should be 10 fucking minutes and we're out of here. Yeah. It should be 10 minutes well, with he just credits. Beat, he just beat <laughs> the big henchman. Like, this is the bad guy henchman. Yeah. And uh, who's the who's the henchman? He looked he looks like he's trying he to rip He looks like off. Discount Alion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. It's not. It's not Alion. That's what I was thinking. I'm like, that's not Alion. He looks like his like non-union Mexican equivalent. Yeah. <laughs> get me Steven Spielberg. He's unavailable. Then get me his non-union Mexican equivalent. Listen, Senior Spielbergo, I want you to do for me what Spielberg did for Oscar Schindler. Uh, Schindler es bueno. Senor Burns es el diablo. <laughs> Senor Spielbergo. Coda talks shit about Chuck Norris, that Chuck's eyes show him he doesn't fear death just like him. It's a shame they're on opposite sides as they make a hell of a team. We're not so different, you and I. Uh, <laughs> we could be a beautiful team. <laughs> yes, we could be a beautiful team. That's what he says. So sad that we are on opposite sides. We would have been such a beautiful team. Not on your best day, pal. Uh, Chuck's not into it. He tells Coda he's a chicken shit and when death comes, he'll scream like a baby. <laughs> Coda knocks him out and then orders him taken to the chamber. Does he scream? Yeah, I think so. Is yep. he falling? Yeah. Yep. Like a it? baby? Exactly like when he falls out of the airplane. He wakes up and Coda's still talking. Gas starts coming into the room. He's in the same chamber that Bobby died in. My friends, tonight we unveil my most diabolical creation. <laughs> Swank. Ten times more addictive than marijuana. To human misery. (laughs) (laughs) Ice to see you. So glad you could make it. Have a salmon puff. All right. (laughs) Taylor has taken the helo to Coda's compound and starts unloading missiles and blowing everything up. Was that the plan or did he just be like, oh shit, they're at the... We're just going to go there now. I don't know. know. Because that wasn't the original plan. That doesn't seem like a plan. I don't think Delta Force had a plan. Delta Force wasn't supposed to be going to the compound. Well, yeah. there was a plan. I think they abandoned the plan pretty quickly. Yeah, but yeah. No, one, no one communicated that to Taylor. He's just like, also, Taylor, let's go here now. Taylor fires <laughs> rockets at this building. He doesn't know where nah. Delta Force or Chuck are. Yeah. Or the <laughs> hostages. All the, host- guys, all the yeah. hostages, yeah. So the explosion knocks Coda out and the gas chamber's glass cracks. Chuck jumps through it. Not Chuck. It's a stuntman. Paige, who has stayed back, comes into the room, so he didn't go with the rest of the hostages, and he cuts uh, Chuck loose as Chuck is kind of waking up and choking on the gas. Chuck tells him to go find a car in the garage and he'll be right there. He picks up Coda and carries him. The helo takes out some of the goons that are in his way. Can they see him or are they just shooting goons? I think they're just shooting goons. Yeah. In the garage, they jump into Coda's limo with Chuck driving. A bunch of goons in Jeeps chase them down, the switchbacks. And that limo can go. Yeah. <laughs> it's also all of this footage is undercranked. Ah, all this footage is sped up. That makes sense. You can see how when when he like drifts around the corners, that the car is going (laughs) way too quick to be able to do that. Yeah, (laughs) Delta Force engages the goons that are still left at the compound, and we find out that the limo is in fact bulletproof, which is helpful in this moment. (laughs) 
<laughs> so many bullets going at it. Taylor's helicopter lands. They pick up Delta Force and the hostages. And then back in the cocaine storeroom, the clock is finally ticking down. <laughs> 20 minutes after. It explodes just as the limo is coming around the corner that it is on. This is the this is the the the, the heroes running away from the fire. Yeah. But in a limo. The fireball is fucking massive. That is a lot of gasoline being blown up. Yeah. That is what it's wild. The general's helicopter arrives and he radios into the goons who tell him that code is in the limo and that it's bulletproof. He dive bombs the limo and with his helicopter and scrapes the roof of it with his helicopter. That seems wildly dangerous as a helicopter. We only see it in close up though. We don't see it in a wide shot. So mm. they fire missiles and miss, but they hit some goon jeeps. Coda's not very happy that he's having missiles fired at, it, fired at him by his general. I think his general wants to take over. Yeah, I think so. I think this is a coup. Ruthless. It's a cocaine coup. <laughs> a Coda coup. A Coda coup. Coda cocaine coup. Ooh. They go off-road to avoid machine gun fire Maybe from the Maybe that goons. should be the name of the film. Every time that the general fires missiles, he hits the goons. He never hits the limo until the very end of the sequence. I just feel really bad for all the locals in this movie. Ernesto, oh, there is the villagers. That, oh my God. There is something that happens shortly that is not cool. No one gives <laughs> a shit about not Colombia. The limo finally does get hit and survives, but it won't drive. It crashes into a tree. So they have to get out on foot and make their way to the village where they are cornered by the general's helicopter. Taylor's helicopter <laughs> comes in just behind him. With his unlimited rockets. Yeah, with his unlimited rockets and blast the general out of the sky. Bye, Mark Margolis. It was nice spending time with you. I'm glad that you had a good time. And your girlfriend. <laughs> they move out. Taylor has to avoid some fire from Coda's goons who are still chasing them. At the village, Kukina is thrilled to see them for some reason. And they clear the village because the goons are coming. Uh, they're right behind them. Chuck just stands in the, in the open and waits for the goons to come to him and just fires his gun. He takes no cover of any kind. Yeah, it's not a great plan. I'd like to mention action movies in this era are so different from current action movies oh, yeah. where they just spray fire unlimited I, machine gun bullets miss, and hit everything. I miss unlimited. I miss in, infinite bullets in, in infinite this kind bullet, of movie. And not even aiming down the gun. Uh, not even just, aiming, Just yeah. at the hip Yeah, it's, constantly. The, it's the commando style of, yeah. of shooting a gun, which I'm a fan of in commando. <laughs> Whereas where they just like spray and shift their body and yeah, somehow yeah. hit everything. Yeah, I love when in Commando when Schwarzenegger takes cover behind vegetation. <laughs> and the vegetation gets hit with bullets, but he does not. Because uh, that's definitely how that works. Well, he's Arnold. He just repels bullets with his pure personality. <laughs> his accent. His accent repels bullets. They hide Coder in a hut. Kukina's in there as well. There's an RPG goon that fires a chuck and he just jumps out of the way of the rocket. Should have been a slow motion backflip. Yep. <laughs> Ernesto protests and tells Taylor that he has to leave the uh, airspace and we get the only F-bomb. Why don't you shut the fuck up? It comes from Taylor, not from Chuck Norris. Chuck don't swear. Is he that the have, only F-bomb? You might upset I the, did not notice that that was the only swear in yep, the movie. You might upset women and children if you swear. I love Taylor. He's great in this. McCoy does his best Rambo running down, uh, gunning down some goons. Uh, Taylor shows up. He fires a bunch as well. Uh, and then Chuck literally just ducks a rocket that almost hits him in the head. But it hits the heart that Coda is in, knocking down Paige and creating a hole big enough for Coda to run out of. Luckiest drug lord ever, Coda, until he's not. Chuck radios Taylor that Paige is in the hut, but the rest of the village is his, and Taylor goes full Vietnam and destroys the whole fucking village. People live there. Yeah. He's destroying people's lives. Well, he did that with the other drug village. 
Well, that's different. That was a farm. That was a drug farm that was full of full of henchmen, henchmen, and people who work there because they're forced to. Otherwise, they get killed like their babies and husbands. Yeah, but this is an actual village of people. Yeah, and they just who just helped him as well. They helped uh, Chuck. Yep. They land and retrieve Paige as the locals are coming back to where their village used to stand. They, and then they, they look. They, there's no acknowledgement of any kind. And then they yeah, just leave. Just, they just leave. Yeah, it's not great. It's very Vietnam. Coda's being chased by Kukina. She catches up with him and he ta- taunts her into attacking him by being fucking vile, talking about his uh, uh, her baby and husband. She and the rape. He stabs her with her own machete and then kisses her. And that is the end of her. Yeah. That's, and that, why did, did we yeah, do that? I why don't feel like why, that why did necessary. she not just she, survive this fucking? movie yeah they didn't need to do that not at all Coda has a lot of scripted evil which they didn't actually need because he's just as a as a character as a performer really the thing is, is we hate we already, him enough we, it's fine we yeah. already did this like we already had her be debased by him at the start of the movie Killed his baby. Oh, and and they and I would say that at the start of the movie they don't do the right thing but they tell us what happened they don't show us what happened mm. this is just we just don't need it we don't need to see this. No. We don't need him trying to kiss her after he stabbed her with a machete. No. No. No, no. No, no. Chuck, flying sidekicks, Coda, he does his move. He ends up comforting Kukina as she dies, which, again, she should just survive. Coda versus Chuck. It's just like every other fight in this movie. Too much slow motion, too many cuts on She hits. tells him to make sure that he dies. Yeah, yeah. We didn't, we didn't have any kind of indication that Coda could actually fight that much apart from stab people with his secret knife. No. His constantly secret knife. Yeah. yeah. It's not much of a secret anymore. Well, Chuck ends up just knocking him out again. So he gets knocked out a lot in this movie as well. Taylor has to bug out because the former general's gunships are 30 clicks out. They radio Chuck and they're right above him. So they drop two harnesses to pick him up by the time that they've done that and they're all clipped in gunships at 20 clicks out. They start getting lifted up, but... The helicopter is unstable for some reason. I mean, they yeah. get bullets fired at them because some goons show up and they get dragged through the jungle, slamming yeah, off trees. Yeah, I feel like they that would have just died, right? They would have like, been mush. Yeah, that's good stuff. You can't do that to humans. I, and, again, like great stunt sequence. I yeah. wish it was in a better movie and I wish it was shot better than it is yeah. because this the idea of the action is is fantastic. They just mm. go so slowly. Yeah, and they do bang off they do bang off trees and things. But not nearly enough to be realistic to the situation. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> it just doesn't look like it should be the way it is. No, the helicopter stops to hover and stabilize as the goons try to cut the rope that is uh that Kodo is attached to. He hits it but it doesn't but it doesn't snap. They're pulled up again as the helo gains altitude gunships are three clicks out Carter has obviously woken up by this point he taunts chuck about how he killed his friend and his friend's wife he's gonna kill chuck himself he's after he gets confident for a guy hanging off an a well helicopter. he thinks, thinks he's gonna get off again because of his lawyers in the u.s and then next year he's gonna sell even more drugs to <laughs> chuck's pathetic country <laughs> It's yours? No, I mother said she found it in your closet. I don't know. One of the guys must have... Must have what? Look, Dad, it's Where not... Where did you get it? Dad, Answer I... me. Who taught you how to do this stuff? You, all right? I learned it by watching you. Parents who use drugs have children who use drugs. Fuck you, America. Chuck <laughs> is moving to pull out a knife and cut Coda's rope. But the rope holding Carter is frayed because his goons hit it with a machete earlier 
And so Chuck just lets him talk <laughs> until it snaps and watches him fall to his death as the score rises and all is well. And the credits start rolling before Coda has hit the ground. <laughs> they don't even show it. Well, then let's move on to new business. Have you taken care of McBain? You don't have to worry, Senator Mendoza. By now, our dear friend McBain has met with a, shall we say, unfortunate accident? <laughs> <laughs> Excellent. With McBain out of the way, nothing can stop us. Any more new business? Only your desk. McBain! <laughs> oh. <laughs> Two fifty for this? What a chip. He certainly broke up that meeting. Right now I'm thinking about holding another meeting in bed. Oh, McBain. The rules that constrain other men nothing to McBain. They don't even show it. Well, because once again it's a dude wearing a uh, hidden parachute. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. But, like, okay, a couple of things I got wrong with this. They are so high up. Yeah. Like, a helicopter would not go that high up. Well, for the fall, yeah, because you yeah. can't drop somebody from it. You have to be to, like, a certain height to be able to film yeah. that. So, the, yeah, the, he's way higher than he should be. Yeah, like, the guys up there are going to have to be wearing masks or something. Yeah. Uh, yeah, roll credits. And then we get the very, very rah-rah on the nose song, The Winds of Change by Lee Greenwood. Did you guys listen to the fucking lyrics of this song? I didn't, I didn't listen to the lyrics. It's all notice. about, it's all just America rah-rah. <laughs> Of course it is. Fantastic. It's fucking hilarious. And so have they solved the drug problem in oh, America Oh, yeah, that's now? O- it's over. Yeah, they've, it's they've cut off fixed. the supply. I'm sure that there'll be no... There's nobody else trying to sell to America. No, no, no. I'm sure, so. I'm, sure that, uh, I'm sure that it's not going to be a problem. But what about the Colombian connection? They don't have one. Colombia does not exist in this story. <laughs> An appropriate age to have seen Delta Force 2, the Colombian connection, a.k.a. Delta Force 2, Operation Stranglehold. I don't know. How fun is this for children? This is great for children, as we know from Keen's anecdote, and not great for adults, as we know from Keen's <laughs> anecdote. Yeah, so maybe, I don't know, like 10? Oh, like a 10-year-old boy would be having a having a great time with this. Yeah. He'd be trying to, to do, 10, like, 10 flying sidekicks all day. He's not yeah. going to understand. A 10-year-old boy or girl is not going to understand, Sorry. is yep. not going to understand the intricacies of the drug trade and then it's, and it's the, harm on the war. And, the, and the, you know, the, the raping baby stuff. and Yeah. yeah. I mean, I'm sure Brody would say zero, but... Um. <laughs> Brody would be like, two and a half. I'm not doing yeah. my job. Any baby should watch this. You can yep. watch this at any age. You have a baby. Will you let your baby watch this movie? Yeah, yeah. <laughs> well, to be honest, we watched Predator when he was, like, two weeks old. <laughs> That's a good time. Yeah. Starting them young. But, yeah, I'd say I'd say sort of 10 is sort of the ideal kind of In you'll just womb. have a good time. Mm-hmm. I think it probably loses its potency as you get older. I was eight when I saw this movie for the first time. Not surprising. Yeah. Did you see it as soon as it came out of on VHS? I did. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Positively. Like, it's on Chuck VHS? Movie. Yes, on VHS. Yeah, yeah Wait, absolutely. Background question. Did you go to the cinema to watch like many of these movies or was it just like very much a VHS mm. kind of period view? I went to the movies to see movies and I certainly have memories. We've we've done movies I saw at the movies. We saw I saw Masters of the Universe at the movie mm-hmm. movies. But I guess when you were that young. When I was that young, it was mostly it was mostly VHS. Especially this kind of movie. This would kind this of movie this kind of movie been at the movies in Australia? It would have been, but maybe not where we are. Right. So I'm not, been like so I'm not Sydney, sure. Sort it would have been yeah. in like the major cities, I'm yeah. sure. But no, probably probably not. I'm trying to think of 
movies like this that I would have seen in cinema, but nothing's coming to mind. Probably not. Probably would have all been VHS. Chuck Norris would have all been VHS. I don't think I've ever seen a Chuck Norris movie yeah. in the cinema. Mr. VHS. Plus you grew up in a time where you could wait till it came out on VHS and not get I may not. Also, <laughs> like, also, if you miss something in a cinema, don't know it's playing in a cinema, you don't know it's coming out until you see it in the coming soon at the video store. True. So that's like how you find out about what movies are coming out. There's yeah. usually a little magazine that's got, here's everything that comes this month, right? And that's usually only a month ahead. I miss that. I want that now because I cannot keep up with what's coming out <laughs> when. There are websites where you can just look up everything that's coming out on streaming in this country it's for the next Not month. just streaming, but like at movies. I miss things at the movies so much. Oh, I miss times. things at the movies. I check every week. You check every I look week. At what's, I look at what's showing every week. Uh, and yet you still sometimes miss things. Well, because still stuff doesn't show down where we are now. Yeah, it's, it's so harder. Annoying. A rating for Delta Force 2, The Columbian Connection, aka Delta Force 2, Operation Stranglehold, the way that we rate movies, is on a five-star scale, with one being I hated this movie, two being I did not like this movie, two and a half being I liked parts of this movie, it was fine, three being I like this movie, four being I love this movie, and five being this is one of my favourite movies of all time. I'll go first. Sure. As it's you a, should, as a, the guest. It's a reasonable two and a half. You like parts of it? I like parts of it. Like, the, you know, some of the action sequences were good. It, um, The villain. The villain was a bit of a star player. And the, and, the, and the general, I really enjoyed the general. I have not said that enough in this podcast. Mm. I loved the general. General Taylor. Yep. He was just, a, he just had a great, great amount of energy that for something that kind of was, I wouldn't say a it's, flat movie. It's an oddball performance. Yeah. For what is usually a very stern, tough guy performance. Mm-hmm. So it's a choice. Yeah. Yeah. And it looked like he was having a great time. And I was having a great time watching him have a great time. Okay, cool. Yeah. I think this is my first Chuck Norris movie. Mm, yeah, it probably yeah. is. Yeah. And I was a little disappointed by the Chuck Norris of it. But uh, I think that that's the way that it's going to go. Yeah. That's the thing is like Chuck Norris sucks. I expected him to be more <laughs> impressive in the fighting stuff. I kind of knew that he wasn't like the world's greatest actor, but I did expect to be more like, because I, I like a good fight sequence. So I was expecting to be impressed by that part because usually when there's a martial arts star, they're good at martial arts. Well, there was no <laughs> impressive fight sequences. Yeah, but there was no impressive fight sequences, so that was quite disappointing. But I agree that I quite liked the evilness of the face of our of our Coda. He was he was great in that. Mm. And I also really enjoyed the general with his ridiculous he was he was smiling at the most inappropriate times to be smiling. I'm doing war crimes. He was that, so he was just having such a he was in such a good mood all the time. It was a good that part was a good time. I'm a general we Yeah, exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, I agree. It's a it's a it's a it's a straight up two point five. It's like I liked I liked and enjoyed parts of this movie, but eh. I'm going to have to ask Brody next week why he was so excited for this one because... I think that Brody probably would have landed in a similar space to me, mm. which is that when you're a kid... You love it. It's Chuck Norris. And now it's like... Oh, yeah, it's Chuck Norris. It's Chuck Norris. It's not um, as impressive as you think it is. Is there other movies in which he's like got a better level? Is, is there better Chuck, Chuck Norris movies? He's the same in fucking everything. Oh, Poor Chuck Norris. Yeah, see, I thought I thought that he was there are movies actually that actually good. There are more entertaining movies. This is not going to be our only Chuck Norris. There are more entertaining movies because of how wild the movie around him is. Right. But he is always the same. Interesting, because yeah, I thought that he was one of those guys that had a period of time where he was actually good and actually like impressive in some way, and that's why he ended up becoming a meme. I think no. he was just bankable. Yeah, it yeah. seems like it. Yeah, I'm a three. Three. You're a three? Yeah. So this movie's 
like fucking 20 minutes longer than it has any right to be. It's an hour 40. It should not run more than 85 minutes with credits, really. Not even 90. This movie should run 85 minutes. There's so much like dead air in this movie. Yeah, Chuck has the charisma of a cardboard box that's come to life. (laughs) But it is dumb fun. I wish it was a little sillier and I wish Billy Drago was in a better movie. But Billy Drago as Coda makes it a three. Yeah, fair. It drags the movie from I like parts of this movie to I like this movie. I would watch this movie again because Billy Drago is so entertainingly villainous, even if some of the shit that he does, the script has him do, is fucking morally repugnant. I wish there was more of him in it. Yeah. I don't think this is a good movie. I don't even think it's actually a bad movie. There is also, the other thing is, is like I have seen the more vastly incompetent version of this movie. Right. Right. So this movie's at a base level. Its standard is above some terrible action movies that are in this style. Right. That so makes sense. It's a, so it's a three. Next week. So this is interesting because this week is Brody's pick, but Brody's not here. So Adam will be choosing a movie for us to watch. Replacement Brody. The way that we pick movies is that Kira and usually Brody alternate taking turns between picking from three choices that I prepared. Brody's pick, Adam's pick. If a movie is unpicked three times, it's struck out and taken off the list, although I can bring it back at a later date of my choosing. Still on the list. You are not even going to know what these movies are. No. Oh, this I, is I, fucking no great. context. This is fun. This I'm coming is fantastic. At this, coming at this fresh. Yeah, this is really fun. Still on the list from last week with two strikes is Tremors. Perfection. A scorched outpost in the middle of nowhere. You know how close I am to leaving this place right now? How close? Maybe that's why Val and Earl decided to leave town. Hey, hold up. That's Edgar Deans. They just picked the wrong day to do it. Jeez. You guys better get the hell out of here. There's a killer on the loose. Could be doing it. Is that a snake? I'll give you boys five dollars for this. Twenty. That's how they get you. They're under the ground. What the hell are those things? How could they eat a whole station wagon? But where do they come from? I vote for outer space. No way these are local boys. You see, they're headed right for us. No Richter scale can measure it. They're coming! No scientist can explain it. Bert, they're under the ground. You didn't get penetration even with the alpha gun. Run, run! And no one knows what to call it. Mega worms or suckers or, or suckoids. Now this valley is just one long smorgasbord. Now it's up to Val and Earl to save the world. That's one big mother. Who died and made you Einstein? And they know just what to do. Flip for it. Damn. Kevin Bacon. Fred Ward. Tremors. Tremors. You have oh. to do the trailer voice. Uh, <laughs> tremors. Was that, was, was that all right? That's pretty good. Do the tagline. Uh, where's the tagline? Oh, oh wait. <laughs> Brody had the same reaction. They say there's nothing new under the sun, but under the ground. Yes. <laughs> dot, dot, dot. And... Your second choice, Keanu Reeves. Keanu Reeves. <laughs> Keanu Reeves in teen drama, River's Edge. Is that it over there? It's just a log, man. What, that? It's a dummy. This is a joke. 
we've got to test our loyalty against all odds. It's kind of exciting. You like Chuck Norris, you know? Go get your nunchucks in your dad's car. I know where we can get a gun. I didn't do anything. That was exactly a mistake. I saw you two dancing. You know, are you a psycho or something? No, I'm normal. She's a doll. I know that. Right, Ellie? Look at that. Hope they don't upset. Duck down. Jamie is bad, and there's nothing that we can do to save her. Now I happen to like Jamie, but John is still alive. And who's next on his list? You try it. You better settle down, John. But I kept seeing her face, Clarissa. Didn't you keep seeing her face? I'm dead now. You're gonna fry me for sure. I'll be your friend. With one strike. With one strike. River's Edge, the most controversial film you'll see this year. Yep. <laughs> Not so. his accent you added to that. <laughs> yeah, it got, got a bit weird there. Yeah, it got strange. Oh, this is R. It is an R-rated teen drama. Also got Crispin Glover in it. Yeah, I was looking at the cover and I was like, that doesn't look like Keanu Reeves. <laughs> <laughs> and I'm like, oh, that looks like Crispin Glover if Crispin Glover was a little more feminine. And then new on the list, that's a decoy tape. You got a decoy tape. That's a decoy Were tape. Were you worried that I saw the tapes? Not worried that you saw the tapes. That's a decoy tape because I was worried that the cover of the box would give away what it is. Ah. Oh. Because returning to the list. Oh, no. I present to you Corey Haim ah. in Prayer of the Roller Boys. Oh, my God. On the streets of the future, a new breed of warrior is rising. A deadly paramilitary gang has taken control, and only one young hero has the courage to stop them. Roller Boys aren't just another gang. They own buildings, factories, foreign investments, and eat someone on the inside. It's not easy. You don't know how easy it is. Say your prayers, because Prayer of the Roller Boys is coming to video cassette exclusively from Academy Entertainment. Oh, this is... Does it get to stay on the list? Yes, it gets three strikes. This Fantastic. Is the ultimate revenge. I want the blood feud oh to continue. Oh, my God. <laughs> oh, my God. Prayer of the Roller Boys. I'm very happy for Roller Boys to be back on the list. I'm very worried that we're going to lose Tremors. After everybody has told us that we should watch Tremors. And we've said that we want to draw, watch who's, Tremors. Who's everybody telling you to watch Tremors? People. Lloyd. Have you? Who? Lloyd. Oh, have you watched Tremors? I've seen Tremors. Uh, I've grew up with Tremors. I think I've seen Kira Tremors. Kira saw Tremors a long time ago. All right. And, 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 and we've seen it on the um, on We've seen trailers. the trailer. And yeah, and Brody thinks he's seen Tremors, which means he hasn't seen Tremors. Right. Yeah, let me, let me and so a... we, it was one of those ones where when it first got pulled out, we were like, oh, we've got to pick that, but got to pick that. And then other things were there yeah, and we had to. And, then, and so it's gotten to that yeah. terrible third week. Where, it's a fly liner situation. Yeah. You intentionally put this back on the list because I fucked over 
have a birdie with. Oh yeah, absolutely. Mm. I told you I want the blood feud to continue. You I make. Shut up with I make choices. I make choices that are designed to hurt. So let let me game this out. If I don't choose tremors and choose say roller boys to make sure that it it gets played, then some people will probably be upset. Well, then, then we don't have get. To come back. Yeah. So we don't get tremors at all if we don't yeah. pick tremors this week. Yeah. And then it's on Kira next week to pick Roller Boys, but if she picks Roller Boys, she will lose River's Edge, Edge, which is a count early count. Is this the first? Movie. Is this the first count? And then, Reeves and then, it'll and end then up the week Brody. after, it comes back to Brody. And then if Brody doesn't pick Pair of the Roller Boys, and I'm sure that I couldn't possibly put something on the list that Brody yeah. would like more than Roller Boys. You the see, understand that the, Do you understand that the gameplay goes beyond this round? I, <laughs> oh wow, you have so screwed. <laughs> I know exactly what I have to pick so that Kira at least gets gets one win out of this. Oh no, I don't even know what that what the Wait, it depends. Okay, I wasn't here last week when River's Edge came out. Yeah. Or the week before. How excited are you for River's Edge? I mean, I do want to see River's Edge because Keanu mm-hmm. It's early Keanu. It's, it's early. pre-Bill and it's pre-Bill and Ted Keanu. Yeah. It's a drama. It's an R-rated teen drama. It's dark as shit. It's got a fucking incredible soundtrack. Oh. You're selling me a little bit. Mm. Yeah, before Roller Boys came out, like that My was intention was to was to pick River's Edge. Yeah, all right. I, I can't let Brody be in charge of whether we see Roller Boys. <laughs> that's the thing. Brody's probably going to be in, oh, you've gamed this out, my man. Welcome, yeah. Welcome to the- No to, matter what you pick, somebody's going to be upset. Welcome to my game. If it's Brody, I'm not that upset. Yeah, that's true. Here's the other thing. Yeah. He's not going to know that any of this fucking <laughs> happens until next, until next week. So he doesn't get to listen to this episode before he records his next episode. So when I reveal the picks next week, he will have no idea that Roller Boys was on the was was on the list. Oh, unless you unless, unless you pick, you pick it. it now, yeah. The question is, what will Kira do next week? I have to pick Roller Boys. She has to pick Roller Boys. I can't. Which means River's Edge will drop off. Yeah, I can't let Brody yeah, yeah. do this to me again. <laughs> so, will you be upset if I don't pick Tremors then? Is Tremors one of the ones on the list where you're like, it's got to be watched? I feel like it's got to be watched. But you know how many movies that we should have like already done this podcast that they have let fall off the list? Yeah, a lot. Because of my gameplay? Because yeah. it's, it's much my fault as it is their fault. Because I, <laughs> I, I say this all the time. I play the game against myself as much as I play it against them. Because like I want to watch all of, all of these movies. Yeah, yeah. I'm going to pick Tremors. Okay. Cool. I think that's probably the best way to go. Yeah. Yeah, I don't disagree. We need to do Tremors. And Tremors is... Such a good time. And it, uh, it'll finally satiate a lot of your fans. Oh, uh, fans? <laughs> Fan. Well wishes. Well wishes. And it's, our general, like, it's been brought up on the podcast so many times. We saw the trailer. We've talked about it so many times. That, yeah, we need to do it. And also it'll be our first Kevin Bacon, which yeah. is a good time. First Kevin Bacon? Yeah. Oh. Flatlines could have been our first Kevin Bacon, but, you know, people make their they choices. fucked that up, didn't they? So uh, <laughs> That would have been the first Keith of Sutherland as well. Oh, yeah, it would have been the first case of Sutherland. Yeah, don't like, don't subscribe, don't join us at... Weird Kid Video on Instagram and Twitter. And don't come back next at, week for um, the return of Brody. Letterboxed. Yeah, eventually, once, <laughs> when I get back to you and do the Letterboxed. That's it. Uh, Brody will know. be back next week and we can we can pick on him. But let us know what you thought of Adam. Yeah, if you liked Adam more, please leave a review and then Brody will have to tell us one of his greatest fears. And also read a review <laughs> that says, we don't like Brody, we like Adam better. Yeah, absolutely. His greatest That's fear a great is time being for uh, it replaced is. by me. It really is. And uh, are we doing scene? Is that still Sky a thing? Skynet. Yep, that's it. Good. Okay, fuck off. How do you sleep at night? On top of a pile of money with many beautiful ladies.